What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this rip of rabbit hole recap. Dun, 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 dun. What a week. A lot going on. Very dense. Tight. Not tight, rip. Two hours, 20 minutes or something like that. Dense. Definitely dense. Great conversation. Back and forth with Matt, as, as it always is, week in, week out. Very lucky to be able to do this with a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Matt Odell, and you freaks. Thank you guys for tuning in, for contributing via Podcasting 2.0 app. Thank you for the stats. Thank you for the value. I hope you're getting value out of this show. If you're listening on YouTube, which you, you aren't if you're listening to this because we don't put ads on YouTube, but if you, if you so happen to like double, double sh- check this episode, you watched on YouTube, and you're watching, you're listening here now, thank you. I love you, freaks. This rip is brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to bring you financial services, to bring you security, to bring you education, to bring you white glove concierge service that'll take you from zero to having a two or three multi-sig vault set up where you hold two keys and Unchained holds one key. This is important. You eliminate single points of failure. If you have all your Bitcoin on an exchange, that is a single point of failure. Bitcoin exchanges are known to get hacked. They're known to be targets of regulatory scrutiny. One day you can wake up, you can either not have your Bitcoin because the exchange lost it or not have access to it because somebody went to the exchange and said, don't give the freak access to his Bitcoin just because we said so. Unchained helps you eliminate that single party risk, okay? By creating a two or three signature vault, a multi-sig vault where you hold two keys again. So you have full control of your Bitcoin as long as you have those two keys. Not even Unchained can prevent you from moving those Bitcoin. You can move them whenever you want. Um, but Unchained does have a key in case you get in a pinch and you need them uh, to, to move your Bitcoin. On top of this, they're providing financial services. They have a lending desk. They have an IRA product. Uh, they're, they're building out a, a banger, banger team. Go check out everything they have going on at unchained.com. Unchained.com. Use the code TFTC. If you want to do the white glove kind of share service, you'll get $50 off. That package comes with video conference calls, hardware wallets, and a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats dumped in your vault once it's all set up. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 The team with the brains to bring you the Brains OS Plus firmware that's going to help you stack more sats with your ASICs. If you're in the mining world and you have an ASIC, one of those computers that, that produces hashes that allow you to connect to a mining pool that then pays you in sats for contributing to producing hashes that allow you to add blocks of transactions to the Bitcoin network. Brains OS Plus firmware. Uh, if you download it on an ASIC, if that ASIC is compatible, it's going to help you stack more sats because you're going to be producing more hashes, uh, which is going to get you more sats at the end of the day from uh, the mining pool or your your own pool, your, your own self-mining um, operation if you have one. Uh, Brains OS Plus firmware is the firmware that Brains is working on. They're also the team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest mining pool in Bitcoin's existence, the first ever mining pool. It's, it's survived. A lot have, have come and gone, but Slush Pool has remained steadfast, a stalwart in the mining pool industry. If you're using Brains OS Plus firmware on your ASIC and you point your hash at Slush Pool, you're going to get 0% fees from Slush Pool. So 
Um, that's a good perk. You don't have to point your Brains OS Plus firmware uh, enabled ASIC at slush pool. However, if you do, you get those fees uh, waived, the, the pool fees. Uh, they've got insights.brains.com, an incredible website that'll uh, allow you to get a, a whole perspective of the mining industry, profitability, hash rate, difficulty, pool distribution, uh, the you know, profitability of individual ASIC models, the, the whole shabam, insights.brains.com. Go to brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check out everything they have going on. It's all consolidated in that one web website. Go to brains.com. You'll see slush pool, firmware, the dashboard, the good content, brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a no, no KYC, no AML lending uh, platform that, it, that leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. You put Bitcoin up as collateral in a two or three multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty in the loan holds one key, and then Hoddle Hoddle is the third key, the arbiter in the situation. Um, the beauty of this, you don't have control of the Bitcoin throughout the duration of the loan. However, since you hold a key in the two or three multi-sig wallet, you have visibility into the wallet, which gives you the the ability to have confidence that your Bitcoin is not being rehypothecated after you put it up as collateral to get stablecoin liquidity. You put your Bitcoin up in the two or three multi-sig, you get stable coins in return. As long as you're paying back that lo- loan plus the interest attached to it, you are going to get your sats back at the end of the day. The other side of that marketplace is the people giving out the stable coins. If you have stable coins and you want to enter a peer-to-peer um, uh, anonymous lending market, you can do that at Hoddle Hoddle. Uh, lend.hodlhodl.com is the lending platform. Uh, Hodl Hodl also has a peer-to-peer exchange. You just go to hodlhodl.com for that. Um, they're building incredible tools and products at Hodl Hodl. Bang up team, really staying true to Bitcoin's ethos of peer-to-peer um, commerce and leveraging Bitcoin's native properties to to bring a future financial product. Well, it exists today. It's not a future financial product. It's here today, but they're creating a vision of, of what a future financial company may look like. Lend.hodlhodl.com for the lending platform. Enjoy this riff. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Everything's perfect. All is well in the world. There's nothing to worry about except for disinformation on the internet. This statement has been certified by the Ministry of Truth. Ministry of Truth, which goes by the name of Disinformation Governance Board here in the United States. We'll get to that. It's the name of the episode. (laughs) We'll get to it. Matthew, are we allowed to talk about you moving studios? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can we can tease it. We can tease it. I just teased it to Marty and Carr right before we went live. 
Matt's going to be in a new studio soon. Nashville Bitcoiners getting their shit together. Catching up to us, Austin Bitcoiners. A lot of surprises in store. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, anyway, I should be out of this home studio within, I don't know, a month. What's your background going to be? You're going to go bookcase, block clock, you're going to have animals. What do you think? I mean, there'll definitely be a block clock involved. I mean, Bitcoiners are pretty uh, <laughs> predictable. You got to have Moscow time behind you, you know? Hey, hey, Moscow time right now is uh, 2504. It's um, a pretty good time. Yeah, it is. There's more than 24 hours in Moscow. So, But, uh, yeah. But the, so, yeah, the studio is located in, there's, there's going to be like a whole Bitcoin community center. And then mixed in with that is going to be the studio. So I'm pretty excited about it. Are you going to do live radio show? We, we More info like, coming soon. We should do like, F, we should do like a, a sports radio type show where you just talk for three hours. I told you what my grandmother said, right? No. About radio. My grandmother, she was like, how, like you curse so often. Like how have they not kicked you off the radio yet? <laughs> Grandma Odell, we're on the internet radio. It's because I never called it a podcast to her because I didn't think she'd understand. So I always <laughs> called it a radio. And then we just then I had to have like a 30-minute conversation with her about what podcasts were. Yeah. Well, thank God for podcasting 2.0 because the uh, disinformation governance board, aka the Ministry of Truth, may may not like like us cussing on air. It may try to stop it. Spreading uh, bad information about being polite on the internet. And respecting your fellow human. We'll I can't believe it. it's real. I mean, I, I read it in the bent. Um, it's real. Maybe we'll, yeah, we'll start with it. I mean, I guess like, I'm not, I don't mean I can't, like, I'm not that surprised. I'm not really surprised at all. All right. Car, before they we get to this. should have actually called it the Ministry of Truth, though. I know. Really missed opportunity. Well, they can lean into it. You can't. Well, we'll get into it. We'll start with Clark's dashboard, then we'll get into it. Ministry of Truth is from uh, 1984, right? Yeah, which is uh, right up here on the bookshelf. I don't know if you can get the full. um, In a a post-truth world, fiction is reality. Boom. Winston Smith works for the Ministry of Truth in London, chief city of Airstrip One. Big Brother stares out for... Excuse me. Big Brother stares out from every poster. The thought police uncover every act of betrayal. I don't even think, I don't when even Winston think 1984 finds, is dystopian fiction anymore. When Winston like, finds love with Julie. Will you let reality. me finish reading the back cover? <laughs> when Winston finds love with Julie, he discovers that life does not have to be dull and deadening and awakens to new possibilities. Despite the police helicopters that hover and circle ev- overhead, Winston and Julia begin to question the party. They are drawn towards conspiracy, yet Big Brother will not tolerate dissent, even in the mind for those with original thoughts they invented. Room 101. If any freaks haven't written 1984 yet, they're not going to make it. It's too late for them. Shout out to the anonymous freak who uh, included this in his box of books that he sent us. But I will reiterate that I don't even think 1984 is dystopian fiction anymore. It's pretty, compared to our current reality, it's a pretty rosy depiction. Yeah, it, um, it was prescient, right? It was a predicting, it was a predictive book, novel. I base all my life decisions on lessons I've learned in science fiction. The mandibles. 
We have someone in the comments. Fire night 451 just fucking fire. Everyone should read that. I had a good tweet uh, <laughs> that started with just a thought, which was, after we live through the mandibles, which book comes next? Fahrenheit 451. Here's another good one. Uh, you really do love your background. Who's a freak that said that? Yeah. I do love my background. Carlos Lamardo. Marty is too excited about his background. <laughs> <laughs> have you read Fahrenheit 451, Marty? I have not. I'm not we'll read. Oh, it's a must read. We'll must read, read the uh, the first paragraph of the introduction. Sometimes writers write about a world that does not yet exist. We do it for a hundred reasons because it's good to look forward, not back. Because we need to illuminate a path we hope or we fear humanity will take. Because the world of the future seems more enticing and more interesting than the world of today. Because we need to warn you, to encourage, to examine, to imagine the reasons for writing about the day after tomorrow. And all the tomorrows that follow it are as many and as varied as the people writing. This book, this book of warning, this is a book of warning. It is a reminder that we have, that what we have is valuable and that sometimes we take what we value for granted. And your Uncle Marty can't read too good today. Yeah. Leave it. Leave the reading to Guy Swan, Marty. <laughs> yeah, no, like so. Like you said, this isn't fiction. These are warnings, as uh, as explained by by Neil Gaiman, who wrote the foreword to this. Um, oh, Neil Gaiman's great too. Yeah. So these are warnings. They seem to be coming true. It doesn't seem like many people are heeding the warnings. I mean, the Ministry of Truth. Well, okay, so we'll, we'll, in nineteen eighty four. Like the government installed all the surveillance, and in 2022, people just go out and buy the wiretaps and install them all throughout their house and brag about how they have like a voice assistant. Yeah, car. All right, pull up the and we'll get to Clark's dashboard later. We're we're already getting into this, so <laughs> we're talking about this because the oh, that's a great freeze frame. The Biden administration uh, announced that they have established a. Uh, a disinformation governance board under the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, right now, that is being run by this woman, uh, Nina Jankowicz, I believe her name is, and uh, Jankowicz, excuse me. Uh, and she is the leader of this disinformation governance board, which you should just read Ministry of Truth. Uh, the uh, The mission of the disinformation governance board is to dispel misinformation about migration in Russia, particularly. So two subjects is the, the mandated mission of this Ministry of Truth at the moment. But as I said in the bent last night, as we know about all these temporary, uh, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government um, endeavor. And so you can imagine that the scope of the disinformation governance board is going to expand beyond migration and Russian disinformation. Uh, they'll begin uh, clearing things up when it comes to inflation and what causes it. Uh, they'll certainly be getting into climate change stuff too, I imagine, and uh, other things like whether or not laptops are, are worthy of inspection and, and true. Um, yeah, so you had... Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, two war criminals, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, specifically really coming out of the woodwork randomly 
and denouncing disinformation. Hillary Clinton um, was cheering on European Union and their Digital Services Act, which is going to attempt to thrust KYC onto the internet and saying that more transatlantic allies need to push for this type of act uh, within their countries. And then Barack Obama, he was somewhere, I think it might have been Stanford or some college, he gave like an hour and a half long speech about the dangers of disinformation, misinformation. They're using the words interchangeably. Um, and uh, Dog crimes. Yes, and, and they're basically coming at quote-unquote thought crimes, but they're setting the ground for the the KYCing of the internet. They want um, to censor content and then to... It's already pretty KYC'd. Yeah, well, I mean, you still have VPNs, you still have all these things. Have you things. tried to register for an anonymous email lately? Yeah. It's really fucking difficult. Well, that, Did you see C Templar shutting down? That's what I was going to say. C Templar shutting down. Um, Even like Proton, I mean, you have to put in a phone number. I don't think so. Tuda has rate limiters. I don't think I've put a phone number in Proton. If you didn't put a phone number, you put in an existing email from a different provider. Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, Well, how'd you get that email? (laughs) Well, um, maybe that different provider was Tuda Noda. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm not saying it's impossible. I've done I've done it many times. It's just they make it as difficult as possible. Yeah, to get both phone numbers and emails that are not attached to you, and then all services require those. So like it's not formalized, but we're already kind of there. Yeah, um, big fan of Proton. We've moved all of our TFTC stuff to Proton. It's been much different UX. Um, but it feels more secure. Like when you click a link, it's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to click this? It's going to take you somewhere. Here's the actual URL it's taking you to. Feel safer. Uh, but back to the Ministry of Truth here in the United Sorry. States. It's pretty laughable, number one. I mean, we had to laugh. If it wasn't so, I mean, it's scary, obviously. You have the United States government in a land that's supposed to have free speech, free thought, um, and free individuals who should be able to collect and dissect data and come to their own conclusions via their free will. Um, it seems that, again, they're starting with two. I don't know why migration is one. It's very interesting that it shows migration. Um, maybe like the, the Mexican border stuff is making... Well, money. I mean, I think as we... If the world starts devolving into more chaotic situations, as we expect, is that's when you see large migrations of people. Yeah, I mean, I I migrated to Texas. Yeah, I don't think that's not what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that may be a thing. Uh, Texas secession, maybe, maybe I mean, now that we're down here in Texas, is hey, maybe I'll lead the secession campaign. If things you get too Parker? crazy. Yeah, me and Parker. Now, apparently, Texans don't like when you actually bring it up. It's like the unspoken thing. You don't talk about it. It's just gonna happen one day. You may you have a problem with a lot of those things, Marty. <laughs> yeah, I do. We're on okay. air. Don't fucking talk about it. <laughs> yeah, too late. Um, but again, I mean, clown world. We we have a literal ministry of truth in the United States, mandated by the D- Department of Homeland Security. Well, actually, calling it the Ministry of Truth is disinformation oh. and is prohibited speech. Take me in, sir. Take me in. But 
Like I said this in the band too, it's, we've had the quasi corporate ministry of truth with like YouTube, Twitter, other social media networks and the corporate mainstream press um, trying to dictate what is true, censoring people, putting the disclaimers under certain tweets and other uh, YouTube videos, but to see it move from the corporate fascist world to the, the actual federal government is, is a step in another direction, which is. Well, presumably the reason they're doing it right is because everyone that was controlling the main speech and collaboration outlets were on board. Uh, and now that they see Elon coming in as a wild card, they feel like they need to formalize it because they're afraid. Uh, like I, I have mixed feelings about the whole Elon Same. Twitter takeover. Yeah. Um, but my one consistent thing is, is Twitter was dying a slow death uh, and was just going to get worse and worse. Uh, and the trend was going to continue and the censorship was going to get worse and the noise was going to get worse and the priorities were fucking completely misplaced. And that would have been boring. Um, no matter what Elon does, there's going to be an element of chaos to it. And that's just exciting and interesting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, it's very interesting. Again, I'm, I'm uh, like I, we we briefly touched on it last week, I believe. I think I I, I think you I, just I, said I don't want to talk about. No, it. No, I described it as a spectacle. That. I just like wrote it off. Yeah, as that's a spectacle. the thing. It is a spectacle. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> seems like I mean, obviously, the current employees of Twitter are freaking out, and it's already lot, worth it. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. <laughs> there's a lot of speculation that are like digital paper shredding, the shadow banning stuff. I think Project Veritas actually had a whistleblower show um, a Slack, an internal Twitter Slack chat where they, mm. the, an admin essentially admitted to shadow banning. And I think my shadow ban got removed. Yeah, because apparently I'm like they're pretty sure it's been four months and just coincidentally it got removed. Yeah, so I think there's like an uh, a an element of digital paper shredding going on where they're like deleting all those algorithms and all that uh, censorship before Elon takes the helm. Because uh, you, you've had a bunch of people who exhibited what in Twitter's mind was wrong thought in the past begin like seeing crazy follower numbers uh, because their profile's been unleashed to a different section of the the application. So... Yeah, does it? I mean, it is like seeing. Um, like he called out Twitter's head lawyer. Uh, Cernovich, oh, that was such a good tweet. Yeah, yeah Cernovich, uh tweeted about um, Twitter's head lawyer and like tagged Elon and he responded like, "This is this is uh, unsettling" or something like that. Like we're gonna no, have to no, take no. Care he called out. Uh, uh, they. Did he, he called out the New York, was it the New York Post getting banned? Was that the one he called out? He called out a specific instance. And he Here. was like unsettling to say the least. Car, just search Cernovich, Elon Musk. He also tweeted out, while we're looking for that, he tweeted out, which I thought was really interesting, that Twitter DMs should be end-to-end encrypted so mm -hmm. that Twitter staff can't read them. And I kind of feel like <laughs> one of my theories in the back of my head for why he was buying Twitter was, just imagine the power of being able to read anyone's DMs at will. Like you can just choose whose DMs, a full history of their DMs, whatever you want to read is like insanely powerful. And of course, Twitter has always had that power. But like in my, 
in the back of my mind, I like, I like to think that right before he sent that tweet, it came to his realization. Like he had the realization, he's like, oh shit, I could read anyone's DMs and send out the tweet. They should be end-to-end encrypted, so I can't do that. Yeah, it's um it's they can read it. Like that's the thing. Um so fucked he, up. Like what if he like what if he does make like a positive change? And he I believe he tweeted out this morning. Well he'll that, probably have uh, nose chipping. Yeah, that's like that's like that's big like, <laughs> That's why it's like a like a car. I just put it in the TFTC chat. Not financial advice, but um, that's the thing. probably going to pump, and we're all going to fucking <laughs> be sitting on the sidelines complaining about it. Maybe maybe we'll get lightning pilled. Who knows? Um, yeah, this was the Cernovich thing. Let's read the tweet first. So I don't really care about that. Yeah, Twitter lawyer Jim Baker, when general counsel of the FBI personally arranged a meeting between the FBI. And Michael Sussman, in the meeting, Sussman presented fabricated evidence in the Alpha Bank matter. Elon Musk, this is who was inside Twitter. He facilitated fraud. And then go down, Carr, to the responses. Um, go down more. That's Cerno's thread. Yeah, Elon, go up. Sounds pretty bad. <laughs> oh, this was a different one. Yeah. I was thinking about, I don't know. There was a different one. Yeah. Um, so, I was pretty sure it was about the New York Post getting banned. Yeah. So, do you think the Biden administration coming out and officially announcing this is coincidence or a reaction to? Definitely not coincidence. No. There's the girl, no shot in hell that is coincidence. Well, it, well, the, a um, data point in that. Um, they were doing all this behind the scenes, and they had you know backdoor meetings. They had backdoor meetings where like all the had, I mean, if you, if you look at the main social media platforms besides TikTok, which is Chinese controlled, which is one of the reasons why there was so much. And I mean, TikTok can go fucking fuck themselves. Like, I don't think anyone's used TikTok, but the reason there was so much anti TikTok propaganda when it was getting ground and getting big was because it was the one social media outlet that wasn't controlled by the U S government. But up until this point, They've had complete control. They don't need to pull back the curtain and and make an official ministry of truth. But now when they have this wild card Elon here, they're they're a little bit frightened by it, especially going into midterms, right? Yeah, especially going into midterms. So they want to have some kind of regulatory teeth in order to push them in line. And this is the first step in that. Like It makes complete sense to me. Once again, looking forward to the chaos. Yeah, the chaos is going to be fun, but for freaks, we don't like This it. chaos. We Most don't, chaos, I don't like The United States of America officially has a ministry of truth. Wake up. Wake up. They don't want you to think for yourself. <laughs> they, I mean, that's why the Ben started off on like a satirical tilt yesterday. Congratulations. You don't have to think for yourself anymore. The, it's really uh, liberating. The, this, it is. You actually, let's, let's talk about the positives of this. You don't have to think anymore. They're going to do the thinking for you. Well, the good thing is most Americans weren't thinking already, so. Yes. And now we can make it official. You don't <laughs> have to feel bad about it. It's just accepted. Uh, here, the Disinformation Governance Board is, is here to give you exactly what you need. Did you see Bloomberg reported today on the German inflation number and they said it was unexpected? <laughs> well, it's particularly their PPI number, which is crazy. We have that on the list too. Sorry, their inflation numbers was extremely high. It was like eight percent, but their PPI 
And Spain's PPI too. Spain's PPI year over year is like 45% or something like that. So the producer price inflation. So that is like the basis of the economy. Um, like the raw materials part of it that, that gives you the end products that uh, their prices um, have like a lagging rising effect. Um, they, they rise um, after the PPI rises. And the PPI producer price index across the world is rising significantly. Um, again, I mean, Spain's reaching hyperinflationary levels. Um, hyperinflation is defined as 50%. Um, uh, a 50% inflation rate, and they're getting really close to that. Spain or Germany, due to the energy crisis that's going on with everything going on in Russia and um, their previous energy policies over the last couple of decades, um, their raw material costs are going up too. And so I don't think prices are near the inflation rate's going to stop its acceleration anytime soon around the world. I mean, that's all well and good, Marty, but uh, BTC Pins, Rider Die Freak, wants to know what's PPI spelled backwards? IPP? IPP. <laughs> IPP. Worth it. Thank you, BTC Pins. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate yeah, your contribution. We have to laugh. We have to joke. We have to pal around. Things are getting so crazy. I do PP. We all PP. I hope you all PP. <laughs> if not, you might want to go see a doctor. Go get that checked out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, that's happening. And so I guess we'll, we're, we're, we're going to be having meandering. We have like a list that we're going to go down and now we're just like bringing topics up randomly. But, uh, this ties into the negative GDP print that we saw here in the United States today. And that's actually what I'm going to write about in the bent. This also afternoon. unexpected. Yes. So this is the thing, like people are like, Oh my God, we're going to see a recession next year. And actually behind the scenes. Uh, I can't prove this on air because I haven't been saying it, but like I, I, I've, I've been saying like we're in a recession <laughs> already. Um, so the definition of a recession by the NBER, which is what, what the, uh, the department that officially define or announces a recession or declares a recession, is the uh, the right term there. Um, they define it as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So Q1 2022 numbers just came in. Um, yes, today, today. Um, negative, I believe it was like negative 1.4% GDP growth. And so uh, if we have another quarter of negative GDP growth, you're officially in a recession. And so we'll find that out uh, end of July. Second quarter ends June 30th. Usually takes a month for the data to get aggregated and then released. So at the end of July, we'll probably get the next, we will get the next GDP print for Q2, which we're in the middle of right now. And if that's negative, we're technically in a recession, um, which is going to lead to a very interesting scenario because if between now and the end of July, you have inflation here in the United States continue to uh, at the pace that it has in recent months, hitting new all-time highs uh, or 40-year highs over the last three months consecutively, that trend uh, stays flat or continues upwards into the summer. And we, we have another quarter of negative GDP growth and we're officially in a recession, uh, that puts the Fed in a really weird spot because they've been saying they're going to raise rates um, throughout the year to fight inflation, but we're going to be in a recession. And, so they're going to print a shit ton of money. Yeah. And, and then the, the politicians are, again, midterm election year. That's like the last thing. The Democrats want who want, <clears throat> have the majority of, of the House and the Senate and obviously the presidency 
at the moment, they like a bad economic times are what cause people to get thrown out of office typically. Um, and so they're going to be begging the Fed, like, yeah, Yo, you guys need to print money. Um, well, the important thing is the Ministry of Truth will keep the messaging right on point. Yes. Maybe that's another reason why the, uh, the Ministry of Truth got spun up right now, too. But this is why I, well, that's why I was, I mean, they didn't need to spin it up if they had control of over all the social media platforms. Yeah. Because um, they were doing it anyway. But th- this is like what I was trying to get at over the last few weeks. Um you know, people talk about efficient markets. They talk about things getting priced in. They talk about all this shit. And like in theory, a lot of it makes sense uh, that as information, if we have relatively free markets, as information uh, becomes available to people, it gets priced in and markets are efficient. Um, and I do think obviously Bitcoin markets are the most free, particularly on the proof of work side and the mining side. But, um, you know, people are... People get stuck in the status quo. They get stuck in this is the way it's always been thinking. They get, get they get in denial. Like most people are not thinking about inflation right now. They're not thinking about a recession. They're not thinking about um, supply chain issues. Like this is gonna this stuff that we're talking about is gonna catch ninety nine percent of people off guard, and they're not they don't they're not aware of it right now. So. You know, I'll reiterate what I said last week, which is I hope that we're in the suddenly phase because that means that it's not going to be as painful as it's going to be. But I very much feel that we're still in this gradual phase and it's going to just fucking smack people in the face. And there's going to be like a panic, chaos type of situation as the reality sets in for people. You know, I was talking um, to someone in the real estate world about um, long-term retail leases. And he asked my advice and I said, you cannot sign a 15 year lease with 3% increases without at least a CPI clause in there. Like if the CPI is higher than the 3%, then you, the increases the CPI. And he said to me, he said, you know, Matt, like I've been in this business for 30 years, 40 years. I've never put a CPI clause in my contracts. I was like, yeah, well, we're entering new territory and you're going to fucking regret it in 10 years if you don't do it now. And you just got to get ahead of it. So most people, people look at me like I'm fucking crazy when I mention inflation concerns, period, right now. Yeah. How? How? How can people like- They're comfortable. They're comfortable and they're not paying attention and they'd rather not think for themselves and they're not taking personal responsibility and they're just, you know, one, one foot after the next, just doing as they always did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy. Uh, my half cattle arrives this afternoon. Um, nice. I have a quarter quarter cow coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Neil's drinking claws. Brush your teeth. Well, let's read the whole thing for the podcast freaks. We got uh, Ronan Miner here saying RHR notification woke me up. Now I'm drinking claws and haven't even brushed my teeth yet. He's located on the west coast, so it's <laughs> it's before 10 a.m. right now. Hey, happy brunch, sir. Liquid brunch. Um, yeah. So again, negative GDP print today. If we get another one towards the end of July, which is when the next one will come technically in a recession, at which point the fed is going to need to print more money. They're, they're going to be begged to, um, when they want to hike, but it's a very 
precarious economic situation where you're in a recession and inflation's running in that recession because of supply chain problems and uh, an energy crisis. Very, very peculiar situation from an economic perspective that the United States is going to find it's in this summer. If you just print and let inflation run, right? If, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like you, like if you don't print, inflation's still going to run. It's like, what? It's that's very... what I'm saying. So you print and you try and save markets. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting and uh, situation we're going to find ourselves in. Prepare. Middle of the summer. That Maybe that's the suddenly moment when people are like, oh, shit, we're in a recession. Prices are still going up and the Fed's going to print more money? Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I think people just need to really be smacked in the face before they realize. We have a memory man in the comments saying, Agent Elon is not our friend. Um, I just want to be absolutely clear. Like, you know, I'm not hero worshiping the guy. Like, I, <laughs> there's just... Uh, Twitter leadership, definitely, we're not our friend. And at least no. this will be interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. I really, like, as far as I'm concerned, I got nothing to lose because I've already been treating Twitter as as dying anyway. So uh, I it's not like I'm worried yet. about him ruining my treasured Twitter. It's like, whatever. How was your conversation about Noster? Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. It was great. Everyone should go listen to it. I had uh, Fiat Jeff and uh, Mr. Kooks. And JB55 on Civil Dispatch to talk about Nostra. No one knows how to pronounce it. Nostra. If you're doing Latin, um, it's like Nostra. But like, so I thought of it, I always thought of it as a Twitter alternative, which it can be used as a Twitter alternative, but it's actually way more powerful than that. Um, because it's it's essentially a protocol that allows you to um transmit and relay signed messages with a public key. Uh, well, you sign it with a private key, but verified with a public key. Um, so it can be used in all different sorts of situations, including a lot of Bitcoin applications, uh, particularly a lot of these things that you often hear where it's like, oh, we need to use onion messages on, on Lightning. Um, and then it's like, oh, are you paying for those messages? Are they spam? There's this whole back and forth. Well, you could actually use Nostra as the messaging layer for communication. Um, and if, like things like coin join coordination, like you could, in, you know, right now join markets using IRC to coordinate coin joins or to coordinate those messages back and forth that offers. Um, you could use Nostra for that situation. You can use Nostra to replace a Reddit. You could use Nostra to replace a Twitter. You could use Nostra to replace Signal. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a generic, powerful messaging layer that is cryptographically verified. So you know who you're communicating with and it can be used in all these different situations because the client is, is interpreting the data, however they want to interpret it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's really fucking cool. It blew my mind. I, I was, I, I'm the first one to admit I was kind of sleepy on it and it was a fun, it was a fun rip because it was one of those rips where like, I really had no idea uh what was going on and it was just like okay explain to noob noster noob matt you know what the fuck is going on so i was like learning on the fly while we were while the freaks were learning yeah if you're not following jb55 on twitter go he's follow great. him he's been posting like what he's been building on there it's follow fucking, him on noster too yeah i gotta spin up a noster account um it's all client side it's really cool so it's like you're not making an account on a website 
it just it just holds that data on your browser on your uh, locally on your machine um, and then you transmit and pull data from relays it's really really cool concept interesting trade-off balance does it leverage Bitcoin at all so there's a spam issue mm-hmm. um, where obviously anyone can make a new Noster public private key pair um, and keep spamming right I mean look on Twitter they have all these you know, dystopian algorithms and stuff. And still, every time I tweet, like there's 10 spam bots underneath me. Um, In traditional tech world, a lot of spam control has gone to basically surveillance, right? So you do a bunch of surveillance, you try and figure out who the real people who aren't. In the most extreme cases, they use KYC, uh, phone number verification, email verification, like all this stuff can be thought of as like KYC to prevent fraud, spam. In this case, obviously, you don't want to do that. Um, So one way that you could stop spam as a relay operator, so you're running this relay and this relay is transmitting the the Nostra messages, is you can, if someone wants to use your relay and and have their messages relayed through your relay, have them pay you a certain amount of sats. So there's actually a direct monetization model for someone to basically run anonymous relays, you don't even have to know who's operating the relay and bringing in a constant sat stream of people who want to use that relay. There's other options there. Um, Will, JB55 mentioned like doing some kind of proof of work similar to like the hash cash method. Um, but personally, I really like the idea of sats as as a spam mechanism for the relay operators. And then the relay operators get to get to actually be monetized in a very easy, trust-minimized way. Yes. This, uh, that actually ties into like the back half of the conversation I had with Lalu on Monday where we talked about like LSAT and LNURL loss. I feel like that could tie into that um, incentive mechanism. It feels like it's coming together. Shinobi's worried about Lightning Network privacy. Yeah, I mean, I've been worried about Lightning Network privacy for a long fucking time. On your mind, what is the uh, the lowest hanging fruit to improve Lightning Network privacy? <sighs> Let's focus on the lowest hanging fruit. Let's not, it's it's a very the daunting, hanging fruit, daunting problem. The, the lowest hanging fruit to me is that on the receiving side is when is 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 you're just exposing the static public key, and then this. Like when you when I when I send you an invoice rendezvous routing. Um, yeah, when I send you an invoice, like my public key is in that invoice or in this, you know, in podcasting 2.0, your public key is literally in the RSS feed. Mm-hmm. Then you use that public key and you can see the receivers, channel balances, like how much public liquidity they have. And then if you know what you're doing, you could probe them and see their private channel capacity. And then you could potentially link it to the actual UTXOs that created those channels. Um, so that's a <laughs> massive privacy issue on the receiver side. Um, the right. receiver side is, is to me is the bigger, is well, the bigger concern right well, now. Well, what you just, what you just described isn't the lowest hanging fruit. That's a, the biggest problem. Like what is the first step we could take to begin solving this problem in your mind? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, it's above my pay grade, but that's the problem. That's the main problem that needs to be solved. That's the, in my opinion, priority-wise, that should be the number one priority. Mm-hmm. I would agree. That and it, it should be. It's like conceptually, it's very easy to grok, right? Which is, mm-hmm. 
we haven't been reusing addresses in Bitcoin land for fucking six years now, right? General yeah. practices never reuse an address. But with Lightning, we're just all reusing our pub keys. Yes. Um, and then Shinobi's worried about the metadata associated. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of... I, we, I spent like two and a half hours with uh, Tony on Dispatch talking about all the privacy nuances. One of the things that like is really difficult with Lightning and privacy is that um, there's so many different like nuances of different ways you use it and how you leak stuff that it's not it's not like it's an easy thing to even explain where the leaks could happen, right? So it's not like you so have a context very dependent. Cut. Yeah, like when, if you're talking about like Amazon Alexa, it's like, okay, you plug in the Alexa, you have a live mic in your house and like you're obviously giving them that information. Or if you're using a Fitbit, you're giving them your heart rate information, you're giving them all this stuff or whatever. Um, there's no like two sentences or three sentences, or if you reuse Bitcoin addresses, like you're connecting those two addresses. There's no like two, three sentences that you can say about where you leak information on Lightning and how you leak it and what you're leaking. Yeah. Right. Like there's no easy way because there's all these different ways of using it. And that's how you end up with these ridiculous flow charts where people are like, if you send it to Wallet of Satoshi and then you send it to Moon, you send it here and then this, and like you're in this all this crazy fucking shit. And it's because there's all these different nuanced areas where you could get fucked. Um yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um Beginning stages, big problems to solve, hard problems to solve. But I'm happy that we have these problems and an alternative and a, and a project to, to work on because the other system's completely fucked. This, let's, I mean, yeah. let's be clear, all the moon boys out there, Bitcoin has a lot of flaws that need fixing. Um, own it and, and get working. This is, uh, it's good. It's, a, it's it's not good that they have flaws, but it's it's just inherent in I was, this distributed system. I was thinking system. about this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you I was thinking that? about this today because you remember our first ever rip before RHR existed? Yes, we got very drunk. It was right after you had Corallo on. Mm -hmm. And Corallo said he put Bitcoin at like a 5% chance of succeeding. No, 1%. He increased it to 5 Okay. And I on that on that conversation with you, I was like, uh, "He's a dev. He's being, you know, whatever. He's being like prudent and uh, responsible, and, and like he needs to like have that framing." Uh, I was like, "But Bitcoin cannot be stopped. Like, you know, we're going to the moon. We're going to win together. I'm just like super bullish, right? Just like ridiculously." And there is something that like as as you get more obsessed and like take everything in constantly and try and increase your knowledge base as much as possible and you start to have a public platform and you start to have a larger audience and people start to really listen to you um, where it becomes almost like morally required or ethically required to have a sense of restraint and reality and pragmatism when you talk about this stuff right and uh i was just thinking about like our journey from that point when that was like three and a half years ago to today 
Um, and I think I like I think it's important for us to be critical and acknowledge weaknesses in Bitcoin. Because at the end of the day, it makes it stronger. It never, yeah, it will never get stronger if you don't do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was still ridiculous saying one percent chance of success. Like, it was just completely off on I that. I think that's just my example. I forget what it was. It might have been when we had like Val, him, and uh, who else came with him on that episode? Was it Ark? It was just me, I don't you, remember. him, and it was just the four of us. Maybe it was just me, you, him, and Val. It was definitely him and Val. That was a later episode. That was like a year after that or something. Yeah, but I think yeah, I asked him to give uh, Bitcoin's chance of success update and he, he bumped up to like 40%. Um, Killing it. Yeah, at one point. A lot of problems out there. Got to acknowledge the problems, fix them. That's uh, what we aim to do here at RHR. So think about this, privacy and the Lightning Network. What are the low-hanging fruit? What is the biggest problem? What are the low-hanging fruit that help us solve that problem? Let's uh, let's try and identify those fruit and begin chomping on them. Um, to the list, officially to the list here, Ukraine, central bank bans Bitcoin. Very interesting. <laughs> what the fuck? Especially, you, know, so you had, up. right? You know, the government openly accepting Bitcoin donations and then they're just going to ban it for their citizens. Well, you can't buy it with Ukrainian currency. You can't buy it with the Ukrainian Hervinia. Herv- I don't know how to pronounce that. You can only buy it with foreign currency and there's limits in place. Very odd. I love their wording. The measures are being taken to prevent unproductive unproductive outflow of capital from the country under martial law. Yeah, so they've been under martial law since the invasion and they're using martial law as the excuse here. Um, the central bank is uh, the one pushing this. Um, they're obviously massive hypocrites because they've received a ton of international donations directly to the government um, using Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Um, but this just goes, you know, Constant reminder, not your keys, not your coins. Your government that might seem friendly now, corporation that might seem friendly now, friends and family that might seem friendly now, uh, might not be in the future, and you need to proactively protect (laughs) yourself uh, if you want to be able to use Bitcoin in times of chaos when you absolutely need it. Because that's when when you feel the pain, and that's when your mistakes previously become very obvious to you. And there's usually there's no moving back at that point. You're already fucked. Yeah. And this is another glaring example of don't wait. You do this stuff now. Yeah. If you if you're getting Bitcoin and able to. If you haven't bought Bitcoin yet, but you're able to and you're able to move it to your own wallet, start now. So I'm like, oh I'm gonna do it next week. Start now. The earlier the better. And, yeah. And this is probably like, a, this is one of the better examples, right? Because like, if you were thinking about like any world government that was going to crack down on, on you buying Bitcoin and using Bitcoin, Ukraine wasn't high on that list. Like they no. were, they have bigger issues to deal with. You, you wouldn't, most people wouldn't think that was going to happen and it can happen at any moment anywhere. Um, so don't rest on your laurels and, and figure out, I mean, everyone's super excited this week about, um, like fidelity adding Bitcoin IRAs. Yeah. And like, I mean, not your keys, not your coins. Like the majority of people, I've, I've come to the conclusion that the majority of people that own Bitcoin are just going to own IOUs with trusted third parties and it's going to be a fucking mess. Um, but that is what it is. 
that's not my problem. That's their problem. Well, it would be cool. Disclaimer, sponsor of the pod, but like if, if someone like Fidelity implemented like right. changes in with their IRA where you can hold or your they keys. Well, what, th- what was I think interesting? I think, they're, I think they may be forced to in the future though. Well, I don't know. What was, what was interesting when they were saying on CNBC was like the labor department decides like if it's safe for companies to have like offer their employees the option of using Bitcoin in their retirement accounts and okay. like that the companies can't have to be able to cover their ass and they, they're like held liable for their employees' retirement choices. Freaks, we live in a nanny state. The fact that the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has to give Fidelity the okay for you to put your 401k, mo- 401k money where you want. You need permission to handle really your good. retirement from the government. This is, we don't, I mean, we don't live in a free country. <laughs> I love the transition <laughs> to that. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. don't you, don't you see that? Like, at least in the short term, like I could totally see those types of regulatory bodies being like, you need to keep it with a full custodian insured fidelity because they think of it in a completely different, they're going to, they're going to say it's to protect the employee, but it's really putting the employee in a worse situation because they don't have, they're not, you know, holding their own keys. Yes. This again, we get weird by saying, but like when the laws are unjust, it is right and just to disobey those laws. And we just need, again, I know the likelihood is probably not high, but I will keep beating the drum. We need any of the, the people in the, the public sector running companies. We need some civil corporate disobedience at some level to say, hey, you're insane. You're in any state. We're going to go the other way um, and just do this. It's, again, it's scary. Everybody wants to bend the knee. Everybody at the ESG panel is like, you don't know, you have to work with the regular. Like, no, stop changing oh, the narrative. What'd you think? I thought it was great. <laughs> it was everything I was hoping that panel was going to be in more. <laughs> go check it out on YouTube, freaks. I was, I was bummed happy. though. I was when- pretty happy with came out it had so many more views before um before not that i care but um mentioning it maybe i do care deep down subconsciously but had more views before it got taken down than the ads were put up wait so it got Um, re-uploaded and the view count it was like a new video yeah interesting yeah yeah um and the and hey, we'll say I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but like the comment, uh, the tenor in the comment section of the original video is much different than the uh, the reposted video. Just want to mention that. Um, the but yeah, like I mean, back, I, I think that it was definitely uh, there's no need for conspiracy. Uh, it was to put the ads in. Oh yeah, I mean that's public. Um, I mean, because Bitcoin Magazine would prefer to have have a higher view count and and more controversial comments. Yeah. That's all good for engagement. It is engagement, engagement, engagement. But we need to engage the corporate world, individuals in this world to civilly disobey, peacefully disobey. I mean, we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it right now, too. Um, I mean, right before you hopped in the the room here for the live stream, No Bullshit Bitcoin posted... um, a, an announcement from the New York Department of Financial Services that is essentially forcing individuals to, or excuse me, companies to implement chain surveillance technology into Oof. 
their services. Um, Car, go to my Twitter page and just go to the tweet. I not here. Go to my tweet because I highlighted, zoomed in, the highlighted a particular section. Um, and again, like we've been beating this drum too, and I will continue to beat this drum. We need to make this a meme in the space. Like it's all stems from the Bank Secrecy Act. Go down one tweet, Car. Um, the uh, like this is what all the stems from. So blow that up. Um, here, I'll just read it because I can't, I can't see my eyes are going. This is a Marty reading episode. Yes. Um, so the, for you at home, and cannot see the screen compliance in a virtual currency context, financial activity involving virtual currency can involve among other things, different sources, destinations, and types of fund flows than are, found in more traditional fiat currency contexts. For example, virtual currencies such as Bitcoin and Ether can be transferred peer-to-peer directly from one individual or entity to another pseudo-anonymously. I butcher that word. Absent to use, absent the use of a regulated third party, for example, between non-custodial wallets or a self-hosted wallet uh, that allows users to maintain control of their private keys, thus to effectively address compliance requirements under the New York banking law and the New York financial services law, as well as federal bank service act slash anti-money laundering BSA slash AML and office of far foreign assets control OFAC requirements, virtual currency entities must be sure that their compliance programs fully take into account unique characteristics of virtual currencies. So they want these regulated uh, service providers to use chain surveillance to surveil you after you leave their services and before you get to their services. And again, mentioned directly the Bank Secrecy Act um, and anti-money laundering. Money laundering isn't even a thing. It was a made-up crime uh, when the Bank Secrecy Act came to be in the 70s. And everything in terms of you being surveilled and your privacy being torn away from you in the financial system stems from the Bank Secrecy Act. the the New York banking law probably stems from the Bank Secrecy Act. Like this is all a corrosive outcome because of this this thing at the root of the problem, which is the Bank Secrecy Act, which is wholly ineffective. Again, beat this drum ad nauseum. Doesn't protect consumers. Doesn't protect individuals. Doesn't stop crime. It makes us all worse off. Puts us in very precarious situations because our data are held in insecure d- databases. Um, and like we, again, we're going to change the ESG narrative and the energy narrative. And we're going to do the same thing with the Bank Secrecy Act. We just got to keep beating the drum and make it very apparent and, and voice our disdain and our lack of um, uh, intent to be surveilled anymore because it's just making us... Uh, worse off at the end of the day and everybody's like oh everybody's like oh tough for new yorkers tough for new york like if you're a company that operates in new york as well as other states like you are subjected to this like even if you're outside of new york you're going to be like drug into this two things i will add here is first of all the new york nydfs is ben lasky's old organization that he was leading uh, before he went into corporate lobbying and corporate 
revolving doors, um, joined the Ripple board, and then joined Nidig. Yeah, he's um, on Nidig now, just fascinating. Uh, they're the ones who released the Bit license back in 2014, 2015, um, which was a horrible piece of regulation that pretended that it was to protect New Yorkers, but really it hurt New Yorkers and hurt people around the world. And they use it as an excuse to hit international companies that explicitly say, we're not like, forget you mentioned, you know, companies that do business with New Yorkers. But even if a company says New Yorkers are prohibited, like the famous screenshots of like North, like people from North Korea, Iran, Venezuela, mm-hmm. and New York cannot use this service. They say that if you don't do KYC on all of your customers, if you don't do massive surveillance on all your customers, just to make sure that New Yorkers aren't part of your business, then you're liable as well because New Yorkers could theoretically access it using a VPN. So they they use these types of local, regional regulation to then go after businesses that are way outside of their jurisdiction under the guise of New Yorkers can still access it because that's the fucking beauty of the internet. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, Marty mentioned he, he got this on the no bullshit Bitcoin feed, fantastic feed. Like what those guys are just fucking doing great work. They're on telegram. They have RSS feed. I use the RSS feed all the time. It's fantastic. Really yeah. good source. Very good source. And there, but yeah, f- Fuck the NYDFS. Yeah. Again, again, we just got to voice our disdain for all this stuff and begin changing the narrative publicly. Like, make make people talk about it. This particular announcement, though, like, uh, I assume most New York regulated companies are already doing surveillance, are already using these surveillance tools. It seems like this was a... I was surprised they hadn't formalized it already, but this is like a formalization of that policy so that they can go to certain companies and be like, why aren't you using it? Because there are certain companies in the space. I think everyone assumes... Unchained is one of them. Everyone assumes that all these companies are doing uh, surveillance on their on their customers, doing chain surveillance and other surveillance on their customers. Um, Stefan got into hot water for saying Swan doesn't. Uh so- Prime Trust, who serves Swan and Strike and many others, absolutely 100% does. Okay. Um, but there are a few that don't, that me and Marty are aware of, but I'm not going to mention them on air because I don't want to blow up their spot. I just mentioned Unchained, but I think they've been public about it. Yeah, but there's another one specifically that I'm thinking of. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No, I can't think of it, luckily for them. I'm not going to blow up their spot. <laughs> they said it to both of us in person, off the record. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're out there. Again, an example. It can be done. Have some testicular fortitude, people in the corporate world. Let's begin pushing back against this madness. Stop. Well, with the formalization of this type of stuff, it, they, they might not be long for it, right? Well, fight back. Let's fight back. Let's, let's just say no. <laughs> Whatever happened to saying no? This, uh, this is not going to work. Is, is uh, disinformation by the Ministry of Truth. Yes. You can't you can't say hey maybe I don't want to do this and we have always been at war with East Asia we have we have always uh, on the similar tip I mean it came out this week that Binance was working closely with like the the Russian FSB which is the new KGB yeah the new KGB and like doxing 
Russian users that were using Binance. So great job. Specifically, Binance. specifically supporters of Navalny's campaign. Um, the opposition, the, the, the main opposition candidate against Putin, who's been accepting Bitcoin donations for years now. Um, I think the main reason I put this in the list is because, you know, the U.S. government and their allies do the same exact thing to these exchanges. Um, and if you're the type of person that is under the belief that the U.S. and their allies do it, we're justified. It's important to realize, which I don't think is correct, but even if you do believe that, it's important to realize these same systems in place, these same tools in place, these same data collection, dangerous data collection policies can be used by governments you don't agree with and organizations you don't agree with to attack dissidents, protesters, activists by authoritarians. Yes. God damn it. We're going to laugh. We're going to be optimistic. We're going to fight back. We're going to win. We just need more people to stand up and begin pushing back again. These donut, these these surveillance tools, these laws, this data collection does not actually help at all. It's uh, puts people in harm's way. Adds compliance costs to companies. Leads to like think of just how much capital capital has been misallocated because companies are fucking spending money to comply with these laws. Like imagine where we would be if we could spend that money on things that actually do good for society. Don't like think about how crazy it is spending millions, hundreds of millions, potentially billions of dollars globally to comply with these laws that put the end user in the harm's way. Like you're spending billions of people, billions of dollars <laughs> to put billions of people in harm's way. It's clown world, clown world. Wake up, go, go shake your local fluoride stare neighbor who's like, Oh, this is fine. Disinformation governance board said it was good. Uh, shake them. Some people are getting made materially worse off. On to better, rosier topics. The Human Rights Foundation. Should we do Clark Moody's dashboard? Maybe yeah, yeah. We'll, let's do this, then we'll go to the dashboard. And then we'll go to shout outs. Human okay. Rights Foundation grants five uh, Bitcoins to Bitcoin projects. Um, 100 million uh, Satoshis. It says Bitcoin. No, no, no. It says BTC. And BTC is short for Bitcoins. No, it isn't. The Africa Africa Bitcoin Conference uh, received the largest gift of 100 million Satoshis. 50 million Satoshis um, have gone to Venezuelan Bitcoin developer Francisco Calderon, uh, who's working on LMP2P bot, which is a non-custodial peer-to-peer telegram bot that allows... Users to trade Bitcoin using the Lightning Network. That's pretty fucking dope. Ruben Sampson and Dhruv Mehta uh, will also receive 50 million sats together um, for their work on space chains. Uh, another thing I have to look into that Ruben's working on is silent payments. There's a lot of people talking about that. I haven't dove into that yet, but it's something we should cover. Shinobi wrote a good write-up on that in Bitcoin Magazine. Yeah. Um, go check that out. Shinobi's putting out great content on Bitcoin Magazine these days. Um, 50 million sats are going to NetBlocks as well. Which I is, love NetBlocks. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, they're the company that monitors like internet usage. They have the cool charts when people's internet gets cut. Yeah. 
um, 25 million. I was really excited about that. I messaged Gladstein specifically on that one. I was like, fuck yes. Boss. Um, 25 million sats are going to Paulo Sacramento um, for the Bitcoin design guide. That's then the last 25 million sat grant is going to Bitcoin Pakistan um, to, to bring more content resources in Urdu, which is the, uh, other things, the local oh, yeah. language. Um, first of all, NetBlocks, really cool organization. You, if you follow them on Twitter, you can get like notifications as the internet gets cut in different places. As Bitcoiners, it's very important to be aware of this stuff. Uh, HRF's grant is specifically going to be uh, helping them on their work in terms of, of Bitcoin traffic being cut off um, in different regions. So definitely, uh, if you're a Twitter user, follow them on Twitter or go to their website. A great service. Um, second thing is really excited about this Africa Bitcoin conference. Um, so they're getting a full Bitcoin. They're the, the largest recipient of the grant. Uh, Fode is, is taking the lead on, on that. And I'm, I just, Bitcoin in the developing world is some extremely powerful shit. It's one of the things I'm most excited about in this space. Um, so really good to see that. Um, and then last, I think you left it out, but one and a half Bitcoin is going towards three media organizations. I did not see that. That are, that are non-Bitcoin media organizations to cover Bitcoin in a responsible and better way, which I thought was an interesting uh, aspect of this grant. I mean, that's a significant portion, right? That's is that three like a media bribe? organizations are getting 10%. Is that a bribe? Well, Marty, this is like the Texas secession. You're not supposed to say these things on air. <laughs> Um, I think it's a very interesting <laughs> initiative. I do too. <laughs> you guys can pay me to write Bitcoin property. But yeah, that was my well. first thought when I read it. I was like, nice, we're bribing them. <laughs> hey, you tell it like it is. Sounds a little bit like a bribe. You know, they're bribing, we're bribing. Everybody's bribing somebody. Somebody's ass is getting rubbed somewhere, Okay. can bribe me i'll write good things about bitcoin <laughs> i would love to get bribed to write good things about bitcoin doing it already um let's go to the dashboard sorry to everybody at the human rights foundation if it's caused a shit storm for you i've been working with, with them a lot recently because the oslo freedom forum is coming out so i'm pretty excited about that yeah some bummed i can't make it may 4th that's next week. No, it's not May fourth. Uh, it? It's the twenty. It's the May twenties. Uh, it's the twenty. It's like the twenty second, third, fourth, or something like that. Twenty fourth. I knew there was a four in there. It's gonna be my first time going to Norway. I'm pretty excited about it. I will not be making. I'm going bummed. Um, and should be it should be a great event. Um, hopefully, I'll be there next year. And then we're, I love gonna be doing, working with dissidents and activists. It's just really rewarding. Yeah, I mean Oslo. Is it like, really humbles you. Oslo is like one of the events, but talking to Alex, they're going to do it. I mean, they've they've had their Miami event before, and I think they're going to take it to other places as well. Well, the reason they had the Miami event last year was because COVID, because everything moved to Miami. So it was the Oslo Freedom Forum in Miami. Um, but yeah, historically they've had. I mean, I went to like a satellite version that was in New York once. I think historically they have smaller events, and like then their big one is is in Oslo. Yeah. Get to Norway. 
some point in the May 20s next month. If you can. Um, Clark's dashboard, the current price of Bitcoin as denominated in cuck bucks is 40,195 cuck bucks. Been a bit volatile today. Back over 40. Like back below, below, above, below, above. One cuck bucks. Oh, is that? Oh, sorry. This is Moscow Times now 2,488. Um, one cuck buck. We'll get you that amount of sats. Below a $800 billion market cap, sitting at six, excuse me, 764.7 billion cuck bucks. We are at block height 733,980. We had a difficulty adjustment yesterday, which was a 5%. Where is it? Why can I never find this one? No, oh, it's over here. Um, it was a 5.6% upward adjustment. Blocks are coming in at 9 minutes and 31 seconds on average. Um, and so we had to make the difficulty target lower to make it harder to mine so that it comes in at 10 minutes on average as Satoshi designed. And currently since that adjustment, which was less than 200 blocks ago, 156 blocks ago, um, blocks have been coming in at 10 minutes and 13 seconds on average. So as of right now, the next adjustment is estimated to be on May 10th, 2022. And that's going to be a negative 3.7 adjustment as of right now. But as we all know, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, 156 blocks away from the last adjustment isn't a great data set. So it may not be as accurate. That is subject to change between now and the next adjustment. There are 14,204 transactions in Clark's mempool and samurai unspent capacity is back above 4,500 at 4,508.9 BTC or 181.4 million cut bucks in unspent value. Did that mid show? We were probably at a different block height. Difficulty adjustment was probably different when we started. The price was different when we started, but hey, <laughs> we got there. Back over $40,000. What do you think of Arthur's latest piece? I liked his price prediction. <laughs> it's a little bit bearish. <laughs> Only Sat a million? Sat parity by 2030. I don't mind that. Sat send parity? 100 million? Dude. No, and go, I, I mean, mean uh, Marty, basic math. Oh, yeah. That's dollar I'm, sat parity. <laughs> A million dollar Bitcoin is. I know, I know, I know, I know. You can't think too good. My parents got into town last night and <laughs> had my brother over and some friends, and we were hanging out by the fire. And I didn't go to bed till late. Um, I um, I was at a bachelor party right after uh, RHR last week. I went to a bachelor party. Um, ten guys. Ten dudes. You tell me, how was that Airbnb situation? Oh, I can't, but that's besides the point. Um, the the first time I went on a trip with those ten guys, Bitcoin was at like three hundred and fifty dollars. Holy shit! And the same three guys that listened to me back then are the, the only three guys that's that have bought Bitcoin since. Like they had Bitcoin at that point, and they have Bitcoin now. No one else. All the other ones are just stuck. At, like I just, I, I had fun staying poor with them for the weekend. Like that was my activity. Could have got a much better Airbnb. They're not concerned about inflation. They're not concerned about any of this shit. And they're just living in their nice little bubble, paying each other on Venmo. Yeah. 
I got kicked off of Venmo because I want to verify my identity. Yeah, they like pushed it with the $600 tax thing, right? Yeah. See you, Venmo. Uh, shout outs. We have one this week. Hi, guys. Appreciate the signal. Want to add a tidbit to your timely debunking of the fake climate hysterics and their total totalitarian power grab. Oil is a hydrocarbon. Carbon dioxide from air plus hydrogen from water plus nuclear electricity equals zero emission oil that can power existing cars, trucks, and planes. This isn't just a theory. Demonstration plants are running right now that can do this. The concept has been around since Nazi Germany, Germany powered their war machine on synthetic oil made from liquefied coal. Why are we spending trillions on Mickey Mouse rechargeable cars and windmills and solar panels and non-existent breakthrough battery tech instead of generating zero-emission nuclear electricity, storing it in synthetic fuel oil and powering our existing infrastructure? Any quote-unquote environmentalist who opposes this is a Malthusian LARPer. Mine coal, pump oil, build nuke plants, grow food, mine Bitcoin, take back our future, and defeat the anti-human totalitarian scumbags. Peace out. I co-sign. I can't confirm whether that energy source is actually legitimate, but... Marty, stop submitting shout-outs yourself. <laughs> it sounded like I read it, didn't it? Appreciate um, you, Freak. Thank you for the support. Peace. Um, that was... Uh, I mean, yeah, if that stuff works... If you can create this Never thing. heard of that before. Neither have I. Um, I agree. <laughs> I agree with everything from like these people are totalitarians and anti-human and Malthusian. I can't. I, I'm going to look into it. The synthetic oil that <laughs> leverages leverages nuclear power. I've never heard of it. Cannot confirm. Would be fucking incredible if it's true. But they, the Nazis didn't have nuclear power. But they used synthetic oil that was like melted down coal. I, I think I do remember hearing something like that. Um, I mean, my monkey brain seems like melting coal is great. Yeah. I don't you know. could obviously make liquid out of it. That seems, <laughs> but I'm not, not a specialist. I have no idea. And neither, neither do I. Uh, it would be cool if this stuff's true. I hope it is. And if it is, I'll do my research. Uh, we're going to start beating that drum. We're going to start beating that drum. Uh, speaking of research, uh, we didn't put it on the list, but I tweeted it out. Um, car. Search Doomberg food facilities. Oh, I appreciate this. We had a freak tag us in this. Thank yeah. you, freak. No, no. I, he asked us, did we find the stats? And I had found the stats. Well, Doomberg found the stats. No, right underneath that Doomberg tweet was oh. a guy who tagged us in it like five days earlier. I thought you were talking about the guy. Yeah. Who tagged us yesterday? Who, someone tagged us in that Doomberg tweet. I don't know who it is, but he deserves a shout out. Yeah, shout out to that freak. Um, here, Car, I'll find it. Um, Car, pull the tapes. <laughs> pull the tapes. But yeah, so here, let's find the do it. We need to find. A... I want to charge my phone with liquid coal. Just walk around with like a juice box with liquid coal in it and just plug my phone into it. I have to give um, Twitter search lessons to people. To you mean car? <laughs> I love just generic people. Like he's in the room with you right now. <laughs> oh, it's Doomberg T. That's why. Wow. Are you going to apologize? I'm sorry, car. It's on me. <laughs> oh, stop it. 
Um, okay. I'm going to put it in our chat now. Um, Ooh, I like this BTC pins. Liquid cold BBQs would be badass. Depending on how our research goes, this might be a liquid coal show going forward. Sounds like a little bit of overkill for, for a barbecue. We're going to just like light some wood on fire. Okay, um, here we go. According to Statista, there are 27,728 food manufacturing establishments in the U.S. with 3,679 in California alone. From media reports, there have been 24 fires in the U.S. and Canada. Around one fire in... A thousand is probably both statistically significant and irrelevant to the food supply, which we scroll down car. Keep going. Oh, never mind. So we got tagged in that tweet. I just wanted to know. I can find it. Stan Rizzo at Cheeks Paulo. Um, Thank you, Cheeks Paulo. Appreciate you actually following up and and giving us some data. You're the only freak who did it. So this is what I would lean on. One fire in a thousand is probably both statistically significant and irrelevant. So statistically, statistically significant in the fact that like it's abnormally high amount of fires, right. irrelevant to the food supply. Something like maybe true, but would push back because uh, you have to index for the size of the facilities, and at least two of them were like the largest facilities with their particular food that they were supplying to the market. But they were like, there was like asterisk, 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 right? <laughs> I, don't, no, I don't think there was asterisk. It was like the, the largest Twinkie factory in the lower eastern well, section of the United States. The one States here in Texas was the largest onion factory in the country. And the one in Idaho is the largest potato factory. Pretty positive. And the farm in California may be the largest farm of its caliber as well. So if you index for like... <laughs> what kind of farm was it? I forget. Of um, its caliber. Yeah, but uh, if you index for like size of facility, um, freaks, we need you to index for size of facility for the yes, next. Episode. That's that's the homework. That's the homework this week. We're we're getting closer. We're getting closer to the to the, to the answer in this round. Freaks, we don't want data that doesn't confirm our biases. Can you please get us data <laughs> that confirms our biases. Well, this this confirmed. I mean, we did say last week we don't know. We were very upfront. Uh, like, hey, we don't know if this is statistically uh, significant and Doomberg seems to have proven that it is statistically uh, relevant and significant, but will it affect the food supply? Well, that's yet to be seen and that's what we're debating right now. I still think it may. So it's what, 24 out of how many? Uh, 27,000. So it's less than one in a thousand. Yeah, he has. uh, And yay. One around one. Um, we're going to dig into it. We're going to dig into it. Actually, the freaks are. We're just going to report what they dig into. Uh, back to the list here. Sloggins are this list right now. Cent- uh, the Central African Republic makes Bitcoin legal tender. <laughs> second, second country. I was laughing at full-time Bitcoin. What do you say? Not sure if you guys are aware, but onions and potatoes are grown on farms, not made in factories. Shake your farmer's hand. Yes, shake your farmer's hand. Uh, full-time Bitcoin. I don't know if you understand the food supply works for most of the country, but they, these foods go from the farm to a facility where they're then like shipped out to the general yeah, shake public. Shake your local factory owner's hand. 
Yes. Along with the farmer and the rancher. Go yeah, go, and the go. local coffee shop and the bike store. Barber. Gun shop. Definitely the gun shop. The hairdresser. Yes. You know, shake your local food facility manager's hand and make sure he's up to like fire code. Um, do an inspection yourself. I will say that just in general across the board, I've made me and my lady have made a very active attempt over the last two years to try and try and shop as much as possible at at local small businesses. Um, people are like obsessed with using like Amazon and Walmart and Home Depot. Like it really does make a difference if you and, and if you have to pay like a ten percent premium or something on that. You know, pat yourself on the back. It's worth it. I mean, when it comes to the beef stuff, I mean, we had K and C cattle beef last night for dinner, and unbiased because I'm buying my beef there. I've spent money on it, but like my brother's friend is in town. Austin's very, um, very big bachelor town, bachelor party town. Um, So he's in town for a bachelor party. He came by dinner last night, and from out of town, from Baltimore. Didn't know where the beef was from. Didn't know we sourced it locally. Just out of nowhere. I was like, this is like the best tasting steak I've ever had. Um, 100%. And, You'll get yeah. better quality too, across yeah. the board. Yeah, look at that plate of meat. We ate the better whole Better quality, better customer service. Yeah. Um, and again, you need to support it. Like, yeah, if we are going to break. Uh, we had the Beef Initiative Conference on Saturday here in Kerrville, yeah, Texas. Yeah, Went really well. I uh, was only able to stay for the mornings. I had to get back to my very pregnant wife, but for was the, it outside on a ra- on on his ranch? Wasn't on a ranch. It was at the uh, the Museum of Western History in Kerrville, which is an incredible museum, and they had uh, basically an outside pavilion, covered pavilion. Where I thought it was kind of cool. I was like under an outside tent or pavilion, I guess is what we're calling it. Yes, and um, yeah, it was a great day. I mean, car was there the whole day. Uh, the talks, I mean, I was on the first panel and then um, Cole, the founder of KNC Cattle, gave a very impassioned hour-long talk about how he's um, gone direct to consumer and like built his business around that and how they're working to distribute the processing plants here in Texas specifically and hopefully move beyond into other countries. The uh, processing plants are one of the most centralizing factors in the food supply, particularly in the, the beef supply chain. Um, so distributing, further distributing the, the processing plants is a low-hanging fruit that could make the food system, as it pertains to beef, significantly more robust. Um, so that's what Cole's doing. And um, that was a great talk. Vibes were high. I had to leave after that. But uh, Dr. Marie Claire gave a really good talk. Her Parker gave a talk. Jimmy Song gave a talk. Um, and a bunch of others that are uh, Michael. What was Fimoshi. the attendance? Probably like two hundred people. Nice. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of big hats, a lot of ranchers, a lot of new Bitcoin, like people that aren't Bitcoiners, right? Like a lot of yes, Bitcoiners. yes. It was. Uh, it's probably like thirty, 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 or thirty-three, thirty-three, thirty-three Bitcoiners, ranchers, and people who just were curious on how to acquire their own beef directly from a rancher. Um, Cool. Yeah. It was a great event. Shout out to Texas Slim, Cole, everybody at the Beef Initiative. Go to thebeefinitiative.com. Um, check out, I think they're going to be doing two more conferences this year in Colorado and Florida. Maybe. And Jake. I ate KNC's beef when I was in Austin visiting you. It was, it was fucking fire. Yeah. 
Go shake your local rancher's hands. We are here for software update section, which I feel like we haven't had in a few weeks. Well, uh, I think what happened was uh, we were rushed last week. No, but there's a phenomenon, right? That it's it's everyone rushes to update before Bitcoin, the the big Bitcoin conference. In this case, Bitcoin 2022 to get their releases out, and then everyone's burnt out. And then now we're starting to get the ones that were like they couldn't quite make it. They like they were hoping to announce it for the event and they didn't get it announced in time. At least not these software updates necessarily, but the announcements right after on the list. Yeah. Well, I don't think this particular software project was definitely not the had nothing to do had, had <laughs> nothing to do with it. That's why I covered my Bitcoin. Core. I was more talking about the announcements afterwards. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Bitcoin Core version twenty three point zero has been released. Um, major updates. There's now Taproot descriptors in the core GUI. That's a big uh, one. That's the big change. Yeah. So um, the fee estimation is kind of cool. That if you're doing RBF, it takes into account the previous transaction, which is important when you're doing fee estimation. That's what Gloria has been working on, right? Gloria Zhao. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're running Bitcoin Core, Gloria's uh, great. Um, go. Fucking awesome. We'll have a link to the release notes in. The show, you know, there's there's no um, crazy exploits or anything. There's no need to upgrade. But if you want the features that are included in this major release, uh, I would upgrade to version 23.0. If you, I deem- still haven't upgraded my main node, my cold storage node to uh, Taproot yet. No? No. Well, we'll talk about that too. You don't have that on the list. And I specifically made a note to talk about it this week. And we will talk about it after. Well, you know, you could have put it on the list. I could have. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I don't it, really. Okay, yeah. We'll get to it after. Yeah. Let's get through the updates. BTC Pay Server Version what 1. What controversy? There's no controversy. <laughs> BTC Pay Server Version 1.5. Just having a nice civil conversation on this show. Has been released. This is. I, I updated, This one's absolutely massive. I updated our BTC Pay Server this morning. And How cool is that dashboard? The dashboard's fucking sweet. Um, yeah. So they, Shout they out have, to Dennis Ryman. I think he took the lead on the dashboard. Yeah, they have a new dashboard. Another part of this that I was just like reading before we, went, before we went live was um, like the push payment stuff that they've added. How does that work? I didn't. I, like I, saw, I didn't. I, I didn't saw the release d- notes, but uh, the pull payments, push pull payments, payments are what we already do. Yeah. So go to BTC Pay Servers Twitter uh, car. They did a thread on it on the release, and there's like three tweets on. Oh yeah, go down. Um, in that thread that you were, um, here's down, not the dashboard. Um, keep going. Payment processors, a new concept, payout processors, new concept that hooks into the pull payment system specifically to pay out part of it. This new functionality allows you to automate the flow of payouts. We've baked into two payout processors for on-chain and off-chain payment methods. This is interesting for like, Oh, if you're pulling from the BTC Pay hot wallet, basically. Yeah. So it's not for customers, it's for... Like if you're like an advertiser or something and you got to pay an invoice once a month. Yeah. You just do that automatically. From so, your hot wallet on BTC Pay. Yeah. Seems like a cool feature. Um, BTC Pay. 
Again, we say it often when we bring them up in the software section or when they're in the news. One of my favorite open source projects in the space. I think one of the most important. Makes it extreme. We use it. We've been using it for years. It's only gotten significantly better. Um, and it allows you to accept Bitcoin in a, in a sovereign fashion. It's crazy. Anybody listening to this um, yeah, via podcasting 2.0, like our Lightning Net uh, node app that runs this BT, that this BTC pay server pulls from runs through that as well. Um, any any shout outs to you by go directly to our BTC pay server. We're spinning up a merch store. The merch store is coming, freaks, within the next week or two. Uh, we're doing it because business on air because of like sales tax with like merch stuff and interstate stuff. We're we're having a third party run the store um, because I don't want to deal with that sales tax headache. Myself, so we're going to deal with it, um, and we're going to work with them to implement BTC Pay server, our BTC Pay server, into the merch store so that you can buy um, via uh, with Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, like if you're not using BTC Pay server and you're a merchant, you want to do um, the the receiving and sending Bitcoin for a, in a self sovereign fashion. This is an open source project that's giving you all the tools that you need um, as a business owner. It's doing this. It's an incredible tool. Go support them too. Um, FountainCon. We're, oh. we're running uh, BTC Pay server with OpenSats too. OpenSats is officially live. I don't think I've talked about that on air yet. No, you um, haven't. It's been a long time coming. Uh, you can donate with credit card. Uh, if you donate with credit card, we automatically convert it into SATs and hold it as SATs and provide grants out as SATs. Um, or you can donate via Bitcoin using BTC Pay. Um, that goes... So with OpenSATs, it's 501c3 tax-deductible organization supporting open source development. With SATs, um, 100% pass-through. We don't take a management fee. We were talking about how we love HRF. I think HRF takes 5%. It's pretty normal for charitable organizations, but we take nothing. Um, credit card payments are uh, I, is covered by Ledger, I believe. Uh, so like even that 3% uh, credit card fee or whatever is covered by Ledger. So if you, if you do it with credit card, 100% of of those funds are going into SATs and two open source developers. Um, and one of the cool things I did was, so we don't have subscriptions up yet. Uh, we will have subscriptions up soon for credit cards. Uh, so you can just set and forget, you know, $50 a month. Um, a bunch, like thousands of plebs giving $50 a month would be absolutely massive for open source contributors. We wouldn't have to rely on any corporate sponsors big, you know, exchanges, regulated exchanges providing grants. I do appreciate them providing grants, but it's cool that we have a, 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 you know, sovereign Bitcoiner, uh, individual powered way of doing it as well. And that's kind of the niche we're doing. Um, if you want tax deductible status, obviously you have to give your name and your email address to provide, uh, so we can give you a receipt for it. But if you don't care about that, if you just uncheck tax deductible status, you can donate completely anonymously. On the Bitcoin side for recurring, um, we're open to all ideas and um, techniques for doing that. And we're obviously providing, we're going to hopefully provide grants to people that are working on subscription payments with Bitcoin. 
Um, but we are happy to be a test bed for that because obviously people do like subscriptions when it's coming uh, to donations. Um, so there's two elements to OpenSats. Just to remind you, first of all, projects. If you have an open source project, apply on the website. Uh, we are going through them and approving them and adding them to the website. If you're added to the website, people can earmark donations directly to you so that they get tax deductible donation and you get sats. Um, and then we also have the general fund, which we have a board of nine Bitcoiners. Um, absolutely awesome board. Uh, and we decide where that general fund goes. So you can just set it and forget it, give it to the general fund. Um, and then we will be very transparent where we provide our grants um, out to different open source contributors and projects. Last but not least, like I was like thinking through like all these different like novel ways of funding open source contributors. And we have podcasting 2.0 and podcasting 2.0. We basically like for RHR, me, Marty, uh, Carr, and our developer DJ Seeds all have our pub keys in the RSS feed. So when you do podcasting 2.0 and you support rabbit hole recap that way. When you stream sats, you're, you're really streaming sats by a percentage breakdown directly to Marty, directly to my node, directly to car, directly to DJ's node. Um, so for Scylla Dispatch, what I did was I added open sats node pub key. So if you support dispatch uh, via podcasting 2.0 through streaming sats, 5% automatically goes directly to open sats node. And uh, I forgot to mention it to you, Marty, before we came on air, but like, how cool would it be? Like, I would love if RHR does it too, but like, how cool would it be if we had like thousands of podcasts, like millions of podcast listeners, and there's constantly every minute streaming sats to open source contributors in addition to the content creators. It seems really fucking powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Let's normalize that. We'll do that for RHR and TFTC. Fuck yeah. Um. That would be so dope. Let's go. Be the change you want to see in the world. Look at Matthew Odell here taking the fucking world by the balls and saying, I want to, I want to change the world. So I'm going to make it fucking happen. You can too, freak. You can too. You don't have to listen to the disinformation governance board. You can get up and say, hey, I don't like this ministry of truth. Hey, I don't like the surveillance state. Hey, I don't like this shitty money. Get up and do something about it. My boy Matt Odell is. I like to think I am. Will you join us? You definitely are, Marty. Will you join us? Let's go. Software updates rolling through. Disclaimer. I'm personally invested in this company. <laughs> <laughs> Found version 0.3.16 is <laughs> out. Uh, this uh, has improved. That was one of the best disclaimers. <laughs> the it now has lightning addresses uh, enabled. Um, so you have a static address that you can send sats to fountain user split. So podcasters, if you're using fountain uh, and they're hosted uh, uh, model, you don't have to go to like the podcastingindex.org to do the splits. You can do it straight from the fountain app now, which is pretty cool. If uh, you're using the fountains custodial podcaster wallet. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's not clear to me if, if I don't know if you know, as an investor, it's not clear to me if, you do the split in the pod. If you do the split in fountain, does it, does it recognize it in like breeze and other podcasting 2.0 apps or does it only recognize that split in fountain? It recognizes it everywhere. Oh, awesome. I believe there. Um, yeah, I think the way it works is 
may give them like token access to the podcasting index stuff. And then they can change it from there. They're like an API partner or something. Yeah, something like that. Don't take my word for the technical explanation. We're literally taking your word for it. Thank you for giving us your word on the matter. Brames Farm Proxy is out as well. This is actually pretty cool. They also had, I guess, for the Fountain Podcast, I mean, it's a big deal for me, is they gave you customization on the skip intervals. Yes. You now change between 10 seconds and 30 seconds for your forwards and backwards skips. Um, this is pretty cool from Brains. Another disclaimer they sponsor this podcast. Uh, they released a farm proxy. If you run a large mining farm, uh, Brains has created some dope software for you. Why would you use this if you want to um, have reduced data consumption, easy pool configuration? By that, like you point your hash at a particular pool, um, but if that pool goes down for any reason, uh, you typically want to have backups. It makes it easy um, to have your backups ready, and if that pool does go down, it switches automatically. They have low latency pool connections, so you have faster access to the pool, so you potentially increase your sats uh, stacking there uh, by getting more hashes to a pool. 95% uh, data reduction in some cases. Yeah. Which is pretty... That's pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, they had a fucking smart team at Brands, guys. Um, the hash. I assume you have to use slush. You have to use slush if you use this? No, you don't. You don't. Um, similar to Brains OS Plus firmware, you don't have to use slush pool if you use this. But miners, as you can see in the hash rate security, miners who do use slush pool as the primary destination pool um, benefit from the encryption enabled by uh, Brains Farm Proxy. That prevents high and since slush is oh, it's like stratum v2. Well, yeah, is, you benefit because slush is using stratum v2, um, I believe, and then monitoring, which too. you can only use with brain, you can only use if you have the brain's firmware historically. But I guess this proxy does the job for you without the firmware, yes, as well. Um, yeah, so well, we're going to link to the release. Blog post on this, which is at brains.com slash blog slash. So, like, this is what I more meant when I said, like, they rushed the announcements for the conference, and now we're getting a bunch of big announcements. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, we also missed one update, uh, Seed Signer v0.5.0, and uh, you didn't miss it. I didn't put it on the list. Sweet. Actually, it was um, a big update. So, have, if you're I'm, a Seed Signer user, go check it out. And they're doing something cool in Pakistan uh, as well. Um, I'm actually going to have I'm on the show soon to talk about that. Who, Keith? I believe so. Um, Keith is fucking awesome. Who's ever running the official Seed Signer account? Um, oh, that's Seed Signer. His his name is Seed Signer. Yeah, that's so that's Signer. his name. But Keith Keith self doxed himself. He's one of the one of the devs, Keith Mukai. Um, and after he. <laughs> So this this release is named after his dog, um, and while he was presenting on the open source stage, like I was sitting in the front row for all the open source stage present presentations, and he finished and he, he stood up uh, he stood up on stage and looked at me. He's like, "Matt, look, I brought my dog with me," and it was a because he, he wore a shirt of his dog. <laughs> he told me he was going to do it. So what kind of dog is he's it? a good dude? I think it's like a black lab ish something. Oh. Definitely a mutt. I want to get a I don't know. Up. Keith, let us know. Let us know what breed your dog is and we'll Kuma is the name of the dog. 
Yes. If you we'll uh, give you a shout out, we'll give you a shout out. Uh, dog breed next week. <laughs> dog breed <laughs> shout outs. What the people come here for? Ooh, I almost burped into the mic. There it is. Um, sorry, freaks. That's that was rude of me. My mother would be disappointed. She may be disappointed. She may listen to this later and be like, well, "Party, what the fuck?" How have you not gotten kicked off the radio yet? You're burping into the mic. I taught you better. Sent you to Cotillion for a year to learn your manners. That's one thing when we moved to South Carolina from Philly. Uh, we came from the streets of Northeast Philly where we were like cursing at the age of three. Um, to South Carolina, we had we had potty mouths. We couldn't speak correctly. We were saying water instead of water. So I. Uh, That's I got, the correct way to say water. I got I got sent to uh, manners class, and it did help me out. I know which fork to pick up, which knife to pick up, how to look people. I can't in the even eyes. imagine what would have happened if you didn't go. I know. It'd be even worse than I am now. Burping into the mic as it is. Yeah. Um, rolling down. This is not a software update. Or maybe it is. It's a launch of. A uh, new liquidity market called Magma by Amboss. So this is something similar to Lightning Pool from Lightning Labs. Um, this allows you to um, offer out Lightning Network channel liquidity um, and try to make some sats for providing that service to users uh, looking for liquidity on the Lightning Network. I also want to give a shout out. We don't really talk about it that often because I still don't have a core lightning node, but uh, supposedly liquid liquidity ads, which Nifty Nay championed on uh, on formerly C Lightning, but core lightning, core lightning uh, is ex- extremely useful for this type of liquidity management. As a very, uh, I've been told it's a it's a very elegant solution to it. Yeah, if you go to the core lightning official Twitter page. There's a, I believe it was earlier today. Car, you want to pull it up? We can just, it's a minute. I um, haven't looked into this Amboss thing specifically, but it's a, it's a, it's definitely centralized. I don't believe it's custodial, but it's definitely centralized. And, uh, Amboss takes 10%, uh, t- 10% fee is my understanding. Seems pretty big. Yeah. I look, I, I think with all these things, fees will be high in the beginning and, and hopefully competition brings them down. I did say the same thing about Bitcoin ATMs and that never fucking happened. But I, I think there's more regulatory overhead with Bitcoin ATMs and that's why we haven't really seen real competition there. Fight back against the regulator. The mic can't even pick up my whisper because like the noise gate. It picked um, up. We heard it. Yeah, this is really cool. Shout out to the synonym team for Block Tank. Oh, one second, one second. BTC pins, BTC pins uh, clarified, and I just want to make sure I get this clarification. 10% of the fee to the seller, not total channels. So the seller charges a fee, and then Uh, 10% of the fee. And and they're taking 10% of the seller's fee. Okay. Thank you, BTC pins. I don't know what we'd do without you. Be lost in this world. Aimless. Directionless. Probably taking what the disinformation governance board has to say and be like, hey, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> uh, again, this is cool from the synonym team, uh, Block Tank, full service lightning service provider. 
seems pretty pretty robust, really well designed. Um, it's a set of software tools that businesses, apps, web platforms, or Bitcoiners can use to monetize Lightning Network connections, automatically manage channel liquidity. Uh, they open sourced all this, which is really cool to see. Um, yeah, so I mean, it seems like, so we were talking about lowest hanging fruit for Lightning privacy. One of the lowest hanging fruits for usability usability of Lightning in general is being able to receive payments on Lightning, right? Having inbound liquidity. In Lightning, you have this almost like this abacus type of situation um, where where you have liquidity in two directions. And when you open a channel, do a naive channel open, you only have outbound liquidity. You can only send to people. As you send to people, you're able to receive the equivalent amount from other people um, or the same person you sent to. So all of these liquidity ads, magma, pool, uh, dual funded channels, collaborative channel opens. I don't even know what they're calling them now. Um, this block tank all attempt to solve the same underlying problem, which is I open a store on Lightning. I'm a user of Lightning. I want to receive payments. How do I get that inbound liquidity uh, in the most efficient way, in the cheapest way, the most efficient way? Yeah. Least friction. Yeah. Shout out to everybody pushing this for block tank again. They open source this, right? This whole stack. I know that much. Yeah. I haven't really looked into how it works or any of the specifics. It certainly looks uh, very pretty. Um, ba, 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 ba. What do we have next? Um, just click the link aimlessly. Last, it's not a software update, but an announcement. Bit refill announced today, this morning, that Americans can now pay their bills through Bit Refill. Um, if you're a get on zero guy or gal, Bit Refill is providing you with an avenue through which you can use Bitcoin to pay your fiat denominated bills. Uh, requires take, full KYC. Requires full KYC, and they take two percent. Uh, Bit Refill's other products do not require KYC, and I applaud them for it. Uh, but for whatever reason, this requires KYC. Um. I will say that currently my understanding is the Bitcoin company um, will sell you Visa prepaid gift cards up to $1,000 with Bitcoin without KYC. Um, probably the better option for paying your bills in this type of situation, if you can pay with the Visa gift card. The Bitcoin company, shout out to them. I saw they went over 100 million sats. I don't know if it was in sats back or sales, overall sales, but I have no idea. It's a beautifully, it is pretty cool that it's a beautifully at least for designed the time being, they're offering no KYC Visa gift cards up yes. two thousand dollars. Take advantage of it while it lasts, freaks. They got good. I ret- do not think it's going to last very long. They've got good. Uh, they got really good. Um, yeah, sold over a hundred million sats worth of gift cards. They got great UX and. Their sats back percentage is pretty high. Can you stop using the get on zero uh, nomenclature? I just don't like the term. I mean, you can use it if you want. I'm not going to use it. I don't like it. As well, I'm describing term. a term. What? Explain. Elaborate. I don't know. I think it's got like a weird connotation to it now, and it's just not. I think it's productive. I I just don't ever think it was. I don't know. I, I just, 
you can live your life on shit coins or you can live your life on Bitcoin. Like I don't, you know. We'll say if you're living on a Bitcoin standard, is that better? That's so much better. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for this. <laughs> I will respect your wishes. No, I agree. There's like a weird connotation. Because it's a response to get off zero, mm -hmm. which already was a weird one to me anyway. If you're living yeah, I like on living a on a Bitcoin standard. If you're living in a Bitcoin world and you want to pay your Bitcoin, you want to pay your bills that you're not able to pay with Bitcoin directly yet. You can use some of these end around options. Yeah, they're here for you. Um, okay. Opsy TV. I want to hear your thoughts first. What's your thoughts? I asked you first. That's why. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, first of all, my main opinion is we're only in this situation because we didn't have the conversation before Taproot. And I we agree. should have had the conversation before Taproot about, so, um, BIP 119 is this Bitcoin proposal to add covenants to Bitcoin. Uh, op check template time, verify. Check template verify. Um, OPCTV. Um, and there's not necessarily developer consensus on implementing it. And mostly it seems to stem from there might be better ways to implement it that we haven't really gone into yet. So there's this one way to implement it, relatively fleshed out, but there could be better ways that are cleaner um, and we should do more research into looking into them. Now, Jeremy Rubin, Bitcoin developer Jeremy Rubin has been championing it. Um, and recently he proposed that he's gonna use speedy trial activation uh, to to activate into Bitcoin or not to activate into Bitcoin. Via an alter, alternative client. Well, because, because the maintainers of Bitcoin Core won't put it into Bitcoin Core. Um, the With Taproot was also speedy trial, but it was put into Bitcoin Core because the powers that be blessed it. Um, to me, we should have had this conversation. Like I said, we should have had this conversation before Taproot. Um, you know, Taproot wasn't controversial, but maybe it should have been a little bit more controversial. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful we got Taproot because now we get shitcoins on Lightning, which was the real reason we needed to to get it through. Um, no, I'm just being... Facetious. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, personally, I think things should move as slow as possible. I am... I'm a conservative person when it comes to Bitcoin protocol updates. Um, I think this whole idea of soft forks versus hard forks is not very clear necessarily. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm grateful that this debate is happening. And I'm grateful that it's happening so soon after Taproot rather than happening in the future because it needs to happen. And I'm glad that that this open discussion is happening at the time. Yes. Right I mean, I think at the very least, we can say that this discussion is extremely bullish because it proves that Bitcoin, or excuse me, people really care about Bitcoin and it's going to be hard to get implemented into the protocol as it should be. It should be extremely hard. 
to make changes to the right. Bitcoin. It's a feature, not a bug. Yes. That Bitcoin's hard to change. Because if you can change Bitcoin easily, then you can change it for the worse very easily. Yes. Um, and so my thoughts on Opsy TV, I did have uh, Lalu, aka Roast Beef, on, on Monday to talk about the shit coins on Lightning Taro. Um, and that was a great discussion, the Taro part uh, and the LSAT conversation we had at the end. Uh, but in the beginning, if you're interested in um, and here, like uh, what I would consider a valuable perspective on the op CTV debate. It was the beginning of that episode. We talked about it, and I've been having Jeremy. I think he'd be comfortable with me saying. That. I mean, he was at BitDevs last week, and he was explaining um, his perspective on it. And I've talked to other developers who I won't name because I don't want to put them in a weird spot um, that know the core process very well, no core and, and no CTV. Um, and have explained that they do think CTV is a value add and has a lot of utility, particularly for people and actors that are uh, receiving and sending a lot of Bitcoin or securing a lot of Bitcoin on behalf of others. They would really like the the covenants and the vault aspect of the covenants, particularly to mitigate risk of loss of funds. Uh, you can set like you can set like parameters. Uh, so like I could give you like a recovery key or something, but if you try and spend from it, I have like two weeks to spend to my own wallet. Uh, just so like for like inheritance stuff, backup stuff. There was a really good. We had Jeremy Rubin on stage um, to talk about covenants and the implications of covenants during uh, Bitcoin twenty twenty two on the open source stage. So that video is on YouTube and Bitcoin TV. Um, I highly recommend it. I mean, I, it was perfectly timed uh, because he he announced the speedy trial thing, you know, following the following the event. The other thing is, uh, so I so I asked Fiat Jaff, uh, JB fifty five, and Kooks uh, their opinion, and Fiat Jaff made an interesting point, which is that he really wants space chains um, and, and CTV. What? What's Ruben? Right, Ruben Thompson's been working on it. Um, and so Opsi TV without anything additional would enable state chains. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a utility that could be provided. So again, I, so my my viewpoint is I um, bull, like I think Opsi TV is a good thing and I wouldn't mind it being added to Bitcoin. Uh, not a fan of speedy trial and if we are going to do another soft fork, should it just be for op CTV? And then how would you activate it if not speed yeah, trial? Well, exactly. That's the thing. I think we, that was, I don't know if it was Jeremy or AJ Towns um, wrote this somewhere on the mailing list or a tweet. I forget where I saw it, but it was like, maybe just every time we activate something it has to be a new activation method. Um, but how do you, <laughs> I think the real question is like, does it, are we just in a point where like it's impossible to activate something unless like uh, it's blessed by the Bitcoin Core maintainers? Well, like, so and, I like, think all the powers that be over at Bitcoin Core, like, do they, they basically well, like because they bless Taproot, so we got Taproot. Well, like, I think if, if, if they disagree with something, do they automatically have veto power no matter well, what? So I think that's, this is where like important nuance of this particular com this particular conflict comes in, or not conflict, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> having spoken with core developers uh, and the conversation I had with 
Lalu on Monday, it is becoming apparent to me at least, uh, or uh, believe that there's uh, after Taproot, and I think some of the maintainers realized how easy that was, and they have since adopted a posture where they don't want to to um, they don't want to signal one way or the other whether they favor or don't favor any particular upgrade, and they're sort of forcing quietly. Uh, and subconsciously, or just very quietly and under the ra- not under the radar, but their lack of feedback to Jeremy specifically may be a signal to the rest of the development world, like, hey, we don't want to do it this way anymore. Like, you guys got to figure it out outside of. But then, how do you do it? Exactly, that's something we got to figure that out. That kind of sounds like a cop out, doesn't it? No, no, I do. I, I would. It's again. I, I think that's that's actually something I would want to see because again, if you. you like maybe they like I used to view it as like, hey, this activation method and the way it got activated taproot was if a precedent that we probably should have essentially managed. Yeah. I think they recognize that. There is the signal that's being sent. That's why I still haven't updated my taproot node. Yeah. Just like my little fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. I, like I have I have other nodes that are fully up to date, specifically on my lightning nodes. Yeah. But so this could be, I mean, it could be viewed as the way I'm viewing it. I'll just speak for myself is maintainers, core dev maintainers, people have actually have commit access. There's five of them in the world. You can actually change the code of core. The way I'm reading the situation is they are trying to learn lessons from the taproot activation. Uh, they don't like how that, that went. And now they're forcing the rest of the, market to figure out how to do it going forward. They don't want to do that again. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Maybe the way act, Taproot was activated was a terrible precedent to set and you would like to nip that in the butt as fast as possible. And we should be happy that it, like Matt said in the beginning that this conversation is happening right now Yeah, in the aftermath of Taproot. It's definitely a massive net benefit that just this discussion is happening out in the open. Um, that's the biggest win here, in my opinion. Um, I and I, I'm being a little bit, uh, being a little bit cavalier. Uh, like obviously, I'm happy Taproot got activated and got added to Bitcoin. I, I, I was turned off by the activation method and how it just kind of just got pushed through. Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm glad it did get implemented. Um. I don't pretend to understand any of the. Yeah, it's so hard. I can't even begin to understand what the implications are of adding Opsi TV. Um, I've tried. I've tried to look into it. I know freaks want to have discussions about it on Dispatch. I don't know if I can be an educated participant in those discussions. I'm going to try my best. Um, but like, how many people in the world can really understand what these implications are? And at what point do you decide, like, I, I think, I think if you don't fully understand the implications, you should always default to no, to no change. Yeah. Um, so getting, so how do you get to know the implications? So know what's happening. So basically op check template verify, it's an op code uh, that is actually um, bringing back to life a, an opcode that was uh, that was um, 
that was deactivated. So uh, step back even further. So when Satoshi lo- launched Bitcoin, when you launched a protocol, it in- in initially uh, included a bunch of opcodes. You'll be able to find them in this book, this version, this version 0.0.1 alpha book. Like in the, the code that Satoshi launched here, there's a bunch of opcodes that were enabled originally and early on in Bitcoin's history. A bunch of developers, I believe Greg Maxwell and like Luke, Luke Dasher and a few others realized that if some of these opcodes were called on, it would create like doom loops that would just bloat the chain with insane amount of data and basically render it, um, render it useless over time. And so they deactivated a bunch of the opcodes at some point early on in Bitcoin's history, I believe in like 2012 or 2013, to prevent the possibility for those opcodes being exploited and bloating the chain with an insane amount of data. Uh, what Jeremy's trying to do with check template verify is bring one of the opcodes that was deactivated back to life. I believe it's op uh, NOP4. Um, so he's reactivating that, but creating very uh, much stricter uh, parameters within that particular opcode that he would argue prevents the the ability for for data bloat to to come to that um, from op CTV. And so that's how it's being marketed. Again, then go back to Matt's point, like knowing the implications. So like, how do you know the implications? You dissect the particular changes in the op code that's being brought back to life and you try to understand um, how executing that op code would, um, what, what that would do in terms of data but like one of the arguments i've been seeing lately is like it can be used for like kind of like an aopp plus 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 yeah, so like yeah they're saying like you could exchange, be used and if you like spend to non desirable addresses like they can take the money back or Yes, but I believe that, like, again, that's an opt-in. And he, Jeremy has been on Twitter, like, I can do that with Taproot right now. Like, I think his argument would be that, like, that's an opt-in Can you feature. do that on Taproot right now? He claims you can. Um, well, I'm glad, I, look, I think there's, I'm glad there's open discussion. <laughs> yeah. Glad we're talking about it. Um, yeah, um, what, what we're trying to do right now is just describe everything. Uh I can't even really describe everything. Yeah, just describe the situation. Like my, gut- I, I'm going to ask you a question, Marty. Is so a lot of people are saying this is an attack on Bitcoin by Jeremy. Is it an attack on Bitcoin? No, I don't think so. Do you? I think it's a developer trying to do something cool. Maybe I think if, if someone packaging an unofficial client is an attack on Bitcoin, then Bitcoin's very easy to attack. Yeah, right. I mean, we already have knots, BTCD. Bitcoin um, they exist so like I wanted since nobody uses liquid I thought this would be a good use case for like liquid to be used as like a test net but supposedly liquid already has similar functionality but in for they implemented in a different way it's my understanding yeah yeah I should disclaim I I think we both support Jeremy as a developer I, uh, oh, well, like, well, like donation funding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you need a disclosure for donations. I spot, well, we did sponsor an op CTV lunch a couple years ago as well. Um, one of the first uh, camps. 
So like, yeah, if I mean, everybody's like, you guys are biased off TV supporters. Dis- yeah, disclosure, I've supported like 80, 80 Bitcoin developers and other open source developers. I don't think you need to disclose that, but I appreciate the transparency. Yeah. Um, yeah, BTC Pins is making a good point. There's no official client in Bitcoin. That's important. Yeah. And I did say unofficial client. So I insinuated that there is an official client. The point is all Shame this shit is you. really, really fucking messy. Um, Which is good. And and the important part is that Bitcoin is extremely hard to change. Yeah. Um, that's what makes it novel. Are you... like? I'm a fan of ossification at some point outside of like maintenance, necessary maintenance. It's just like, like every time someone other. says ossification, it's like they always have asterisks, asterisks, asterisks. Yeah. Well, like, so like where do you draw the line on maintenance? What does that even mean? Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Damn. And then the question is, do we even get to choose when we ossify? Like it seems like we're already pretty close to just not being able to get things through unless like yeah. the core developer group blesses it. Yeah. Well, we know we need one hard fork at least. We should start preparing for that at some point. For any of you who don't know, the Unix. Well, anyway, freaks. If you have opinions on this, consider either messaging us or putting it in a shout out and supporting the show at the same time. Um, with your opinions, open all opinions. Um, I am dispatched this week is going to be focused on this debate. I just don't necessarily know who the best people are to include in that. So I'm still working out the kinks, but uh, the next dispatch should. Who are you thinking? Focus on this debate. Well, I mean, like the obvious thing is to have Ruben on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even know if it's really, if the important conversation to have is really op CTV. That's how to get the important conversation is activation activation methods, right? Yeah, reach out to AJ. Yeah, Rusty O'Connor. Well, freaks, if you have any good ideas, reach out to me. Um, but it's an extremely important conversation. I just it's very far past my pay grade. Same. James O'Byrne would be a good one. He's been on the. Just go look at them. Have you been looking at the mailing list? James is a little busy right now. Yeah. I've been looking at the oh yeah. Have you been looking at those mailing list? Uh, uh, yeah, I have been. it's spicy. Yeah. I love it. It's really spicy. Is <laughs> who needs soap operas when you got the dev mailing list? Yeah, it's heated. Yeah, I mean Michael Fulkerson, Maybe you want to get him on. He's got a anti CTV view. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he was. He's top of my list. Yeah, um, we'll figure it out. It's above my pay grade. I mean, if most things are above our pay grade, we just yeah. try our best. Yeah. One thing I do know is that Costa Rica is pretty dope. Um, been there. Yes. Fuck yeah. Bitcoin jungle. Let's fucking go. I can this verif- is, I can this verify. is at my pay grade. Uh, it's going to replicate Bitcoin Beach. Uh, Bitcoin Beach's success in Costa Rica. Um, so former Venezuelan resident uh, Joseph Dvorak. Doesn't really sound like a Venezuelan name, but um, he's Czech. He's Czech. It says it right after his name. The war Czech. Um, where is it? Costa Bayena, uh, which is on the Whale Coast. Um, they're gonna do. Uh, they're gonna do like a Bitcoin Beach in Costa Rica. So let's go. Get the Bitcoin jungle. 
We want thousands of Bitcoin beaches all around the world, local grassroots Bitcoin economies. Go shake your rancher's hand. It doesn't even have to be a beach. It could be in the middle of central Texas. Go shake your fisherman's hand. Just go be your own fisherman. You know what? Give a man a fish. We'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish. We'll eat for a lifetime. I was thinking about something after that. I was thinking about nothing. Uh, <laughs> Apple's private relay causes VPN leaks. Uh, right. So we talked about we talked about Apple's private relay when it first came out, and it's like kind of a cool concept. It's almost like Tor Light. They like they bounce your connection between a couple different servers. Supposedly the servers are blinded to degree. Um, so if you're not using anything, if you're not using a VPN or Tor, um, Apple private relay seems like a net benefit. There is obviously you're trusting Apple to a degree. Um, I'm not an Apple user, so I haven't, I don't, and this it came out a while ago, so I, I don't remember exactly the trust trade-offs, but you can guarantee that there's trust in Apple. Um, but in attempts to give you better privacy on the internet, both with who, with the websites you're visiting and uh, your internet service provider, whether that's a cell data provider or whether that's your home internet or your office internet or a public internet or whatever. Um, If you use Molvat or another VPN and you have Apple Private Relay enabled, it will leak a bunch of data about you. Um, So make sure, and Molvat discovered this, and the only fix right now is to just disable Apple Private Relay. So you don't want to have that running if you're using a VPN or Tor. if you're not using VPN and Tor and you want to rely on Apple Private Relay, then that's fine. Um, but you probably shouldn't and just use a VPN or Tor. Boom. And if you're going to use a VPN, use Molvet or iVPN because VPNs require trust and you're trusting them to not keep logs and track you. And reputation is important. So there's no way for us to prove that Molvet and iVPN aren't tracking us. Um, but they have really good reputations, and at least if they're a honeypot, we all get fucked together. <laughs> I have recently joined the Disinformation Governance Board, and I'm here to tell you, it's not that bad to get all fucked together, you know? <laughs> yes, we... Yeah. Give us your data. It's good. We're going to use it. To make your life better, we promise. If I recall correctly, like some way the Apple private relay works is supposed to have reduced trust in Apple compared to the amount of trust you put in a VPN provider. But I don't remember exactly what the specifics were. And also everything Apple does is closed source. So you can't really verify anything. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. Last but not least, our friend Alan Farrington. Wrote an incredible piece on ESG. It's a great fucking title. <sighs> I finance the current thing. Ha 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 ha. He's talking about the perverse incentives of the ESG racket. I'm only partly through it, even though it's only a 15 minute read. I've, uh, I wanted to get through the whole thing before I shared it on Twitter um, and talk about it here. But Matt threw it on the list today. So we're talking about Yeah, I mean, Alan's a fucking legend. He had the best announcement at Bitcoin 2022, and all of his writing is a must read. So go read it. Love you, Alan. 
That's it for the list, except for the things I added on the end. The rubles, uh, just short note here, the ruble is strengthening against uh, other currencies, particularly the dollar and the euro. Marty, uh, are you shilling rubles now? No, I'm just saying like... First gold, then oil, then fertilizer. I just keep losing money on every trade. And now I'm going to go ape into rubles. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the why I'm bringing this up uh, it seems like the sanctions that the US and its allied nations have thrust at Russia uh, have been ineffective and Russia uh, should have destroyed the Russian ruble it did temporarily for about two weeks but since that uh, immediate after effect the, the ruble has been strengthening as the Russian government has been demanding that anybody who wants to purchase their natural gas must do so by acquiring rubles first and paying for that gas in rubles uh, this week. They're busy making their enemies prop up the price of rubles because yeah. they need the energy. Yeah. Um, and they and, also have strict capital controls on their people. Yes. Um, but again, from a geopolitical perspective, bad energy policy. Again, this might all stem from energy policy, particularly in Western Europe where the fucking idiots just made themselves completely beholden to Russia's natural gas and oil. Um, so, hope you liked virtue signaling. Put you in a great spot. Um, I gotta stop saying um. When I get hungover, I say um more. But yeah, uh, so that's happening. The yen is collapsing. Uh, the Japanese government <laughs> is asking the U.S. government to buy its bonds. The U.S. government's like, ah, we're good. So the end's collapsing in real time. Very interesting things. And the U.S. dollar's pretty strong right now, right? Yeah, relative to, to everything but the ruble. Um, it's getting pretty strong. So interesting times in international currency markets. You're living on a Bitcoin standard. This doesn't matter. I'm sure. Bitcoin's, Bitcoin standard's been pretty stable for the last few months. Yeah, give or take. It's been in a very tight range. What is going on? What is going on? Uh, this is this is how how Bitcoin works. We probably we probably you can go probably go back like two or three years ago when we were in another consolidation phase. Yeah, I mean, and this is how Bitcoin works. It like lulls you to sleep, and then one and then day just rips your fucking face off in one direction or the other. Yeah, when volatility is coming. <laughs> yeah, at some point. Yeah, maybe you can think to one direction or the other. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to be prepared when it comes. You're going to be lulled to sleep. It's going to be like, oh shit, what happened? Um, so be aware of that. This has been a great rip. This is like two and a half hour rip. First time we've done this in a while. Yes, sir. Uh, any you got any good plans? Yeah, I got my parents in town. So um, nice. I wanted to take my dad to the Houston meetup, but my wife wants us to all go to dinner. I think I have to make my pregnant white ha wife happy. She's white too, but um, I am driving like an hour to a small town I've never been to before, and with a couple friends, and I'm going to shake my waitress's hand. Love it. We'll enjoy that. We're going to win, freaks. We're going to win. Don't only go, sh go shake everybody's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sh 
Shake all the hands. <laughs> shake all the hands. Strong handshakes and hugs. But also like speak up. Like especially like, I know there's some freaks out there who are you've told me. You're in high places. You work in very prestigious jobs. You have very prestigious titles. Please begin speaking up against this stuff. Firm handshakes for everyone. If you don't like gentlemen and ladies, but particularly gentlemen, actually like a firm handshake from ladies, but into, eh, maybe, hey, maybe that's the point. Wow. I like hey. firm handshakes from ladies. <laughs> I like for, I do too. That was, yeah, you caught me. <laughs> I caught myself. Sorry, ladies. I appreciate a firm handshake from a lady and a man. What I was trying to go is like, if you're a man, you have a weak handshake. <laughs> You're a man, you have a dull, like a fish handshake. It's so bad when someone gives you a weak handshake, makes man. Me, makes me feel like immediately I have a, it's just written off in my mind. Yeah. So That's an important lesson. Yes. Learned at a cotillion. Um, my teacher, when I was 12 years old, the first week of, of, of class, first week of, uh, of school that year, he... Uh, it was all about firm handshakes and he, he made every single person come up in front of the room and give him a handshake. And if it wasn't firm enough, he sent you back down and continued through the order and then brought you back up. It was like a, a See, that's, process. that's a good teacher, right? That's a good teacher. I was like, my dad, my dad was one of those guys, <laughs> firm hand, handshake, look him in the eyes, like introducing me to his uh, friends. Yeah, eye contact is super important. Yes. Look at someone's fucking eyes when you're talking to them. Yes. And it's something to work on. So like for eye and contact. You have, when you cheer someone, make sure you make eye contact because if you don't make eye contact, it's not Bitcoin's a real going to zero. <laughs> Another eye contact tip. Again, you can work it. You can, you can practice this. It's not hard. It's not, it's not always easy. It's, it's awkward. But I, I promise you, eye contact, strong eye contact, firm handshake is one of the lowest hanging fruit, highest return things you can do in the social 100%. world. 100%. Eye contact. Do the triangle. Like it's weird. You're like, oh, am I just staring straight into the What's eyes? What's the triangle? You you do a triangle from um like far or each eye. You focus on one eye and then the nose. So like you move your eyes between this triangle here. You're like so, so it doesn't look awkward. Um, you, you move your eyes between the the two eyes and the nose triangle. Really? Like yeah. Just make contact. Is there is that really a thing? No. Well, you don't want like, you if you just like look stare. And like, don't move your eyes. You look like a psychopath. So to prevent that, you do. You, I never knew. Like, okay, you move. If, if this triangle. helps someone, then it's worth it. it, it I'm pretty sure it's a pretty common eye contact tip. If you look up, I just uh, make eye contact with people. I never yeah. needed to be taught how to make eye contact. Yes. It was just eye contact. All right, we're getting to. We're we're on the same page. Strong, firm handshakes and eye contact. It's a key social skill. And make sure you buy tickets to our future eye contact workshop. Yes. Where we will walk you through from beginner to advanced eye contact methods. Yeah, young Lark's here for it. We're getting deep on how to shake hands. He's here for it. <laughs> should, I, I mean, like what BTC Pin said. Uh, make sure you shake your local pin maker's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Go do it. Hey, enjoy your weekend, freaks. We're going to win. With firm handshakes, eye contact, and people in high places speaking up against the tyranny. Stay humble and stack sats. Peace and love.